If you could live in any environment, where would you live? <laughs> I've thought about this because yeah. I, I I hate living in Vancouver. It's too expensive. Yeah. I don't like the crazy ass politics and there are too many fucking bike lanes. I'm going to murder a cyclist. But who wants to go to Alberta? Yeah. Nobody. But there's nowhere I would rather live. <laughs> Everywhere else is worse. Yes. Than Alberta? No, no, no. no the Vancouver. Vancouver. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Like the Vancouver area. And like... I live downtown, and I actually really love living downtown. I now mm-hmm. live in the suburbs. I love living in the suburbs. I've got a bunch of friends that live way out in the boonies and farmland and shit. I love going out there to visit them. I'm not going to get that the same feel anywhere else in Canada, and I don't really... I'm not wild about living out anywhere outside of Canada. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe Ireland. I, I could I could live on a... Ho- I'm going to retire onto a hobby farm in Ireland. Yeah. I just want to go to the UK where it's raining all the time. That's just Vancouver. You got that here. Yeah. It, rarely now. Well, I mean... Global warming and shit. Sure, but the difference is that when you're in the UK doing it, you, you're going to slip on the cobblestones, and there are going to be far too many people. That's fair. I do not enjoy cobblestones. <laughs> 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 My kryptonite is a cobblestone, by the way. <laughs> Immediately slip. <laughs> uh, I, I like it here. I like forests, you know, but I am also very much a bougie city person. So. You like your nice things. Yeah, you I like, like your air conditioning. I, I, I'm sorry. I need to be within a 15 minute drive of a theater and a sushi restaurant yeah. and a decent sized mall. Not that I ever go to the mall, but just because I've got the amenities around as well. Yeah. Which is why Dan is all small town living's the way to go. And I go, yuck, it sure is, pal. (laughs) Fuck. I'm going to three concerts this week, and I can't do that in a small town. Or unless I want to see the same country music cover band over and over again. That's fair. So, you know, like, I like the amenities, and I like what it has going on. But then there's also a part of me that would like to go live in a forest and never see another human being again. Oh, I would love to live as a bog hag. Like, I just really want to. Yeah. Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome back to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. Today we're continuing our discussion on DM Tips in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I'm Megan, and with me today are Kyle and Adam. And in this episode called Environments, Exploration, Opportunities, and Acclimation of Communities. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters will be heading from biome to biome through 12 unique environments to see what inspirations we have about using the common settings in D&D 5th edition. Before we get into it though, I want to talk for a second about safety. Because, and this isn't like, this is... I was like, are we getting a safety lecture right now for the room that we're in? All right, so for CPR, I need everybody to, everybody buddy up. Oh lord. (laughs) I trust you none for this. Total sidebar, does anybody else have their first aid? I did a long time yes. ago and never kept it yeah, up. No, mine's active. Uh, I actually have uh, the first level of EMR. Oh, shit. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah, I was going to be a paramedic, but that's a terrible profession to get into. Uh, you're about the ninth person that I've known. Pro- like the fourth person on this podcast has been like, I should be a par- paramedic, and then like looked into it and went, fuck, no. Yeah. I just assume that there's a whole lot of cocaine necessary for that. 
Uh, it's less about that and more like with the level I had, I, I can't work in Vancouver because it requires uh, one called PCP, which is like the next level up. So I could only work. So in not like, cocaine, but PCP. But yeah, basically I couldn't work in Vancouver. I could only go work in like small communities around BC and the going rate is $2 an hour on call. And the instructor that I had, he's like, oh, yeah, I used to work at Boston Bar, and sometimes I would go two weeks between a call. So he was earning $2 an hour to be a paramedic, and then he'd get a call, and he'd work for four hours. He'd get paid for four hours, which I think he made, like, $25 an hour for four hours, and then back to $2 an hour. And I was like, mm, no, thank you. Is that what Aaron does? No, he is a volunteer firefighter. Okay. I mean, he had, I, he has his... First aid, but okay. Anyway, no. What uh, the safety? I'm talking. This about. is not what this is. No, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Megan. Sorry. <laughs> so, this episode is going to be wild. <laughs> Pardon the pun. So, what I want to talk about is safety, and that is the safety of um, traveling and about existing in a medieval fantasy world for a moment. Because I think we take a lot of things for granted as D and D players. And his DMs about just how fucking dangerous it is out there. Amen. So uh, the very first thing I want to point out is when you are traveling from one place to another, a lot of the time players are forced to go through the wilderness. They should opt to take roads at all times. That's one of the things that I do in my campaign is it's always safer on the road. You are less likely to hit a random encounter on a road. And the random encounters tend to be with humanoids or like beasts that are crossing the, the road, right? There's not a whole lot of of shit that's true. You're not going to stumble upon a hag hut on the side of a road. You're not going to stumble upon... Challenge, uh, challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm putting my bog egg house now. It's on the side of a road. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you guys did fight Baba La Sega's hut on a fucking road. We but did. She, yeah, but she was hunting you down at that point. You're not so. wrong. That was our fault. We yeah, did that. But <laughs> I am not surprised in the slightest. I deserve this. Yeah. Yeah. So, Fair enough. So the idea is roads are, are places of civilization and there's going to be at least smells and sights and movement there that's going to discourage some creatures from actually being on those roads. And so it should be safer and it should be faster to travel by road than through the wilderness. There are rules for that, and I think a lot of Dungeon Masters just skip that. Oh, yeah, you could travel for eight hours through the wilderness, and then you know, you're going to set up camp? Or are we going to push through for 12 hours? Or are you going to go overnight and get a level of exhaustion? Or right, And, and it should be a whole lot worse than that. If I mean, you guys were both in scouting, right? Yeah, man. That off-road hiking, that like when you're not on a path, that can get fucking brutal. It's true. Right? You yeah. just do not make good time. It, like the ground is spongier, but you got to go up and down and around small hills. Tripping like, on roots, yeah. being scared of tree wells, you know? Well, All kinds of shit. Yeah, the whole pathway being washed out and it's just like a low river. And you have to stop. And it's it's not that that it's going to make you take four times as long to cross this little stream. It's just you've got to stop. You gotta look at it for a second and go, all right, where's my footing gonna go? Mm-hmm. Right? And it's just going to bog you down a little bit all of the time. Yeah. So roads are the safe place to go. And that's where you're gonna find roadside taverns and rest stops and and watering holes and waypoints, right? And uh it even if it's not necessarily on the road, it'll be close enough to the road that, that you're on or the path that you're on, so that you can see 
old ruins, you know, about an hour hike off into the wilderness. We can see the top of an old dilapidated castle. We're going to rest there for the night. So you're only in wilderness for an hour mm -hmm. instead of trudging through it. Uh, the next thing I want to mention is that uh, safety in numbers is a major thing for traveling. And we see this in the real world. Caravans were a massive thing, right? If you wanted to go from town to town, you were waiting for other people to also be going that direction. Going by yourself, even if it's down a road, if you got to go three days down, down the road to get to the next village and you're alone on a cart, that's dangerous. Not mm -hmm. just bandits and wolves and shit, but like weather and... And it's dark. And you it's, can't see where you're going. Right, yeah, you are on your fucking own. If yeah. something goes wrong, if you break an axle on your wagon, you're hooped, you're done, right? Yeah. So caravans are, are a big factor. And I try to use caravans all the time. I'm always throwing NPCs, uh, hey, yeah, we're traveling this way. Do you want to come with us? Right? And it makes it safer for my players. I tend not to even run random encounters. You'll see things in the distance, but that lets you explore in relative safety. Because even a T-Rex isn't going to fuck with a shit ton of people um, that are popping off spells regularly and riding like large weird fantastical beasts and there's 400 of them right uh, a dragon will look at that and go mm, i could fuck with that however down the road further there's one guy traveling by himself so mm -hmm. easier prey. that's too yeah. many people i'm not gonna yeah. do that <laughs> um three max you know? other than that it's just too much work yeah it's, it's like my my love life too uh settlements <laughs> Three's max. <laughs> no, anything else is too much work. Oh, That's, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Expect someone else to do the lifting. Yeah. So there's a lot of laundry after that too, you know. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I want to mention is settlements. Most settlements that are going to exist in a medieval fantasy world are going to have walls. They're going to have a watch, they're going to have guards, they're going to have gates or a portcullis, things that can be added to hinder entrance. They're going to be areas that are not going to be easily overrun, especially if you have goblinoids, orcs, gnolls, kobolds in the region where there's going to be raiding and whatnot. There'll be farmland outside the walls, but for the most part, the walls will be safe and there will be people on guard all of the time. Mm. We had that in reality just because of bandits and roaming armies and militias and stuff. So like... We, we kept the Vikings out, right? <laughs> now imagine those Vikings are four times as strong as a human and have fucking tusks, right? Like, it's going to be, you need thicker, better walls. So when you're building a city, you got to add walls as well. Uh, also, as far as safety goes, traveling at night is a double-edged sword. But you guys, Megan, often travel at night. On a regular basis. We yeah, love doing it. Because you are traveling under... The guy, like, under darkness, right? And yep. you're able to sneak around. You are usually pretty stealthy as a group. Not always. But usually pretty stealthy. And when you travel by night, you're able to avoid a lot of the daytime hunters and whatnot. Yeah. However, nighttime hunters are far more dangerous. They're, mm. well, the way that I run it is there's fewer of them. Um, they're further between them. But if they find you, you're fucked, right? This is going to be a decent battle. I will have um, CR appropriate and under during the day. And CR appropriate and over at night, right? Most of the things that hunt at night are hunting. They're stalking you, yeah. right? So Noted. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, again, you're able to move 
uh, without being seen by enemy forces. If they're intelligent creatures or uh, like enemy forces like a militia or an army or a wizard trying to scry on you or whatever, chances are good moving at night is going to be better than moving during the day. Mm-hmm. So That's fair. Uh, another thing to think about is what season that you're moving in as well when you're traveling from one to another. Winter is going to be brutal. I encourage you guys not to travel during the cold seasons. When you do, everything is difficult to rain. It, there's regular survival checks and everyone's getting levels of exhaustion regularly. Yeah. Unless you guys gear up and have guides with you and you're on mounts and whatnot and you're truly prepped, then it's going to suck and you shouldn't do it at all. There are entire campaigns that are set in like the frigid tundra and and Icewind Dale and whatnot, and it's too easy to move around in my opinion. Mm. I have hiked through snow. It's bullshit. It sucks. <laughs> it's, <laughs> fuck that. Even noise. with like snowshoes and like overly prepared, it still yeah. fucking sucks. Yeah. yeah. I always hated winter camping. But yeah, because I'm either building up a sweat, and then I'm going to be immediately fucking frozen. Like, the moment I stop. Yeah. Or I am frigid the entire fucking time that I'm there and I need to just fucking get indoors. Yeah, if your feet get mm-hmm. cold, you're fucked. Yeah. I always hated that. I just fucking just... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Winter camping. <laughs> the, the other thing to keep in mind as well, uh, the last point that I want to make is weather. Weather is a major factor when it, whenever it comes to traveling um, or building settlements as well. And I don't just mean like it's stormy, although that is a big deal, especially for ships, both sea and air. That's going to be a major factor, right? Mm. But I'm also thinking about things like uh, floods and um, natural disaster level uh, issues as well that people don't stop and think about. If you are putting your settlement in the bottom of a valley, that's a bad fucking idea. You need to be kind of on the highlands beside the lowest point of the valley. So that when the flood happens, your house doesn't get washed away. Yeah. Right? So. Lesson learned hard, you know? <laughs> you lost a house like that? Sure. <laughs> I'm just saying, what is that? Merit? I'm thinking of merit. Fucking when man. the floods in merit happened, and I'm just like, yeah, so you get for building a freaking city in the middle of a valley. Like. <laughs> we live in the earthquake zone here, and I like I keep looking at Delta going, oh, <laughs> 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 you you poor bastards. Dude, yeah. Richmond's built on sand. If yeah. we get an earthquake, it's just going to sink the whole city yeah. into the sand. Yeah, and then the dikes out there are going to burst as well, and it is going to flood because yeah. it's all under the sea level. Yeah. So, like, Woo! It, yeah. <laughs> Richmond is going to be the, the 25 tall buildings that are left. But this One is, more reason not to live in Richmond. Yeah. Uh, well, total, total panic moment, too. Uh, that's also where our airport is. So any out of province help that's going to come in is Cannot. not going to is not going to be coming through that airport. It's going to come through Abbotsford. Yeah. And Abbotsford floods as well. Yep. And so, like, we're relying on rail, and that's not good for a uh, coast too. Coast too, Shipping. right? Yeah. But that's bad. When the big earthquake hits, you think about the debris that's going to be floating around the coast. It's not going to be easy for ships to get in and out. So, like, aid will be slow. Here. Yeah. Well, we, we kind of experienced that before, like multiple times where like the rails went down, like they, like the strikes would happen Yeah, and mm-hmm. it would cut us off from the entire East coast. Yeah. And then like, and, we, and at first we thought, thank God. Yeah. And they were like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then we also had like, um, when our highways from he- between here and Kelowna, when yeah. that whole, like all those rock slides happened and we lost all the roads all from here to like Kelowna and Kamloops mm-hmm. in there yeah. and we couldn't get anything to Vancouver for days. Like... 
Have you been with Dave on one of his, like, driving through the mountains up to Coquihalla in the middle of the winter excursions where they just, like, get snowed into a snowbank on the side of the road for yeah. two fucking days and shit? Uh, no, I never had that happen to me, but I was up one time with Dave and uh, Ian crashed into a snowbank head on. We oh, yeah, yeah, out, yeah, I know that story, yeah. Yeah. So, like, there... When we think about weather, it's more than just, is it stormy, is it rainy, is it foggy? Although fog is another major factor, mm-hmm. which you guys ran into repeatedly in the last campaign. It's true. Yeah, where the visibility, not being able to see where you were going, but also not being able to see what's 100 feet away is real debilitating. Yeah, yeah. it's like, great, you have dark vision, it's foggy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They were. They were on boats. Yeah. That was, it was foggy riverlands is what it was. Oh, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah. So, like, the random encounters were right here, right now, you're not running away. Yeah. So, but, yeah, so I think about roads, caravans, the nature of settlements, traveling at night, traveling during the appropriate months, and trying to avoid inclement weather, mm-hmm. right? We do this kind of... We take all that shit for granted because we don't worry about it. We don't have to have walled cities anymore. I can get in my car, turn on the headlights, and drive at night, no problem, and go as far as I want, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't think about this shit when we're DMing, when we're playing. We should look at the adventuring gear and the stuff that's there and go, why was this added? I like the 3.5 adventuring gear list because it's pages long. Yeah. And it's like a little bit for literally every Play encounter. pot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Small, medium, and large. Yeah. So Just uh, in case. <laughs> so thinking about these things when it comes time to do the exploration pillar, I find is fucking key. So. Yeah. All right. Before we let this episode get too long, let's jump into an info break. We previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on Dungeon Master Tips in 5th edition. For all of those episodes and more, you can follow or subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and dozens of other podcast apps. And if you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. Before we go any further, I just want to say thank you to Tom for becoming our latest Patreon subscriber. This week on the It's a Mimic Patreon, for Silver Adult tier and above, there will be a double feature on Thursday and Friday of Pantheon episodes. Additionally, on top of that, we're going to round out the week on the public channel where I sit down with one of our patrons, Scott, and go over building NPCs for a carnival. But for now, let's get back to the episode. Alright guys, so we're going to talk about a couple of different environments, as we said. Uh, we're going to start with some common lands. Do we want to uh, throw down some dice and see who gets to go first? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yellow. Alright. Fifteen. Got a one. Six. Alright, Adams, you're first. What do you got? Alright, so when we sat down to look at this episode to figure it out, I'm like, okay, what are the what are the actual lands? What are the environments people are going to be? Yeah. Going through, and I looked at what Wizards of the Coast thinks are the important landscapes, mm-hmm. but there are a couple that we're going to touch on today that are not included, which are fucking obvious. I'm going to start with one of those, and that's the urban environment. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a whole lot of urban support, like this some, but not not much. Let, let me do a little breakdown of what it would be like to explore an urban environment. Uh, the first thing that you got to think about is that we're dealing with like towns and and 
other bigger, more important um, cities and structures. Anything that's a little smaller than a town is not really urban. That's more rural environment, right? You're not. Mm-hmm. You're still kind of out in the boonies, and you can run into monsters in a in a village. Nothing but hicks and yokels. Pretty much. <laughs> How so. annoying. <laughs> so we're dealing with like towns and cities in particular. I think about any time that there's going to be like a basic infrastructure that needs to be like that have an upkeep. That's going to be your urban environment. Hmm. There's some basic challenges uh, that you're going to run into when you're in this. Um, the communities there are going to, first of all, have trouble meeting specific needs for different peoples. And even if it's all like a city of elves, for example, there may be high elves and wood elves that are mingling there, and they will have different needs. They have different expectations. When you look into the uh, sub races and the um, different playable races that are out there, and we have some races that aren't playable that will still be a part of communities, um, like the Verbeeg. Yeah. Right. So they're going to be out there, and they're going to have different needs, different um, necessities. And if you've got someone that doesn't fit the general population demographic, like if you've got a furbolg that is living with a bunch of elves. Their needs are going to be very different than what what the elves need. It lines up mostly, but their ceilings are going to be taller. They're they're going to have to have bigger doorways. And so the infrastructure is going to change. Mm -hmm. We also have to worry about blending cultures uh, and multiculturalism because a lot of the time it's not going to vibe appropriately. I mean, we know elves and dwarves traditionally do not get along. That is a fantasy trope that most people will lean into especially new DMs, right? Mm. Oh, you're an elf. I hate you. You're not allowed in my bar. Right? Easy go-to, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so finding the middle ground and being able to get that dwarven flavor in the dwarven bar can be a little bit difficult. You just usually end up in generic human-feeling places, Yeah. right? Yeah. Even though what I would, what I like to do is, is I like to put um, districts, kind of like we have Chinatown and, and Little Italy and stuff like that, I will have a gnomish district and a halfling district that are nearby. So all of the small folk houses are together there. And you would have to go in as a medium-sized creature and know that I will be crouching down to stand and line up at the bank here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, so when we think about other creatures like uh, tritons, they're going to have to be near docks and ports and water. Right. If we think about Aarakocra, they're probably going to have a lot of balconies and tall spires and whatnot. The more that we start melding the multiculturalism together the weirder this city is going to look and so it's going to and it's going to have trouble actually meshing with itself in a lot of ways so honestly i wouldn't put more than four or five different cultures smashed together a lot of the time we see like water deep and Baldur's gate you just have like oh there's look at all of these tieflings and dragonborn and furbolgs and kobolds and goblins and and there's just too fucking much going on there, right? <laughs> and I get that these are supposed to be the melting pots and the the New York City. Like your hub. Yeah. 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 And I get that. But there should really only be one or two of those in a world. You can't have an entire kingdom like that just because of the different needs. The needs of a goblin are different than the needs of a centaur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So take that into consideration. If you're going to acquiesce to the centaurs, there might not be a space for something like a plasmoid to be living there as well right so that's fair um the races that i normally find in urban settings are humans and halflings just because those are the ones that blend in with kind of everybody yeah Yeah. right so you can put whoever you want in but humans and halflings are 
and half orcs and tieflings and dragonborn. These are the ones that you're gonna see pretty much everywhere. Half right? elves too. Half elves, yeah. yeah. Um, when it comes to travel through these areas, uh, I look at the roads, and the roads here are not like the roads in other locations because they're you, they require upkeep, they require a certain level of maintenance. Whereas out in the wilderness, sometimes that road just becomes a dirt path before it becomes a road again. Right? Yeah. So this is why my kryptonite is cobblestones. Is, it, is that twist why? an ankle on that sucker? Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you don't go to Gastown very much, do you? I hate that place. <laughs> uh, the other thing about it's fun to watch though, uh, <laughs> watching girls in like stiletto <laughs> heels, heels, just yeah, man. Especially when they've had a couple of drinks. Don't it, even. Yeah. No, uh, my favorite, it's like my extreme ninja warrior. Well, I used to, like I, I used to live like six, seven blocks from Gastown, and it was always an ongoing joke with me and and Sean and a couple of the friends. They're like we would go into Gastown and and actually probably not Sean. Anyway, it was a joke with me and a couple of friends that we would go into Gastown at two a.m. and just watch all the girls carrying their shoes. Yeah, yeah man. And like and walking around just like drunk and angry at that the cabs aren't stopping. So yeah, I would say I was one of those girls, but I was not. I can't even walk in heels to this day. So I feel no, like... I that's okay, neither can I. Yeah, me neither. You know so what? You're not alone. I really want to. Like, it just seems like such a weird flex to have, to be like, you can do anything in heels. Every once in a while, I, I'm watching television. The opening of It Follows. That girl is fucking sprinting in heels. In heels, yeah. Holy shit. That is, that is fucking impressive. Yeah, I wish. So, anyways, uh, when it comes to roads and cities, you also have to think about tolls, because a lot of the time you're going from district to district. Uh, and you have a unique opportunity to take other smaller roads in the form of alleys and shortcuts and whatnot, where you don't really get that in any other setting. Mm. So you have opportunities to have these kind of darker, smaller roads. Mm -hmm. Okay, wait, would you find tolls inside a city between the districts? If you're going to go from the poor district to the noble district, yeah. they will have a toll in there to keep the riffraff out. Okay, that makes sense. If, yeah. if you're going to be a merchant coming in from the ports mm -hmm. you will pay a toll before you can get into the city proper yeah okay so there will be and i think about minas tirith is a great example of a of a city with walls within walls and whatever i would expect that there would be tolls for certain people at certain rings of the city right? yeah mm -hmm. so when it comes to um the difficult terrain that you're going to find in here these are going to be the poorly maintained areas so the poor districts uh rooftops crowded areas and sewers are where you're going to be able to if i'm going to run a chase through here this is where i'm going to with them because there is difficult terrain there's a lot of features here so mm -hmm. um stealth is going to be different than it is for the rest of this episode because it's not going to be about being invisible and not being seen it's going to be about blending in and being un unworthy of notice yeah mm -hmm. right stealth is a different game here and a lot of the time when i run stealth in a city it's not dex it's charisma because we are putting on our performance yeah okay. yeah fitting in yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, vehicles and mounts are going to probably be kept to highways and major roads, uh, and probably off the back roads, especially when we're dealing with fantastical mounts and big ass vehicles, because while there are some, definitely there's not a lot. It's usually horses, right? That's, yeah. that's the basic go-to, but, uh, but even in like medieval cities and whatnot, you could get a horse down any back road, no problem, but it might be disruptive to do so, right? So there's not going to be a whole lot of... Uh, like every road is available for every mount and every vehicle. It'll be the main ones. And then you're going to have public stables and public cart parking, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah. 
Yeah, there's like some cities in Italy where you can't even get a mini car down yeah. some of the roads, right? Because it's there's, the streets are so narrow. There's some cities in Vancouver where you can't get cars down because they've decided to make it bike only. Yeah. Right? We're going to hear a lot about bikes, aren't we? I, uh, <laughs> I love the idea of, of bike lanes as far as the environment goes. Yeah. I lived downtown when they when they put all of those bike lanes in. And I was very, very fucking frustrated trying to find parking and shit. So it's true. Fair enough. My problem is that I owned a car and I live downtown. Yeah. Not that the, not that I have anything against bike lanes, except that I drive. Um, <laughs> but I don't use them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and I will say, for pedestrians, it's great because I'm no longer competing with bikes. So mm-hmm. um, the landscape itself isn't really that dangerous. This is the one that's been cultivated to be as safe as possible for people. So. I'm not so much worried about the landscape at all when I'm in a city proper, unless I'm going to rooftops or sewers or some of these, you know, off the main path places. Um, when it comes to hunting and tracking through an area like this or gathering, it's different again because you're not hunting and gathering and, and tracking people. You're stealing, you're bagging. That is your version of hunting and gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, I can imagine if you were, like, following someone through a city. Like, that would be the only thing, like, tracking someone through a crowd. Yeah. It'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, well, roll perception to see if you can see the red of their coat or something like but that. But, e- yeah. yeah, even that's following a person you can see instead of, like, trying to find their footprints. Yeah, or, like, tracking it. Yeah, yeah. Did, did this did this person rub up against the corner of a building and leave fur behind, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not what we're doing in a city. Yeah. I mean, there's some hairy... Cr- okay. Uh, nope. Speaking of, they're monsters. Uh, we're going to run into a lot of different kinds of bad guys in a city. We're going to have everything from assassins guilds and thieves guilds and bandits through to cranium rats. You're going to find gargoyles in cities, yeah. right? Um, there will be devils making deals and incubi and succubi are will prey on cities, right, and towns. You're going to be dealing with a lot of were rats. Sorosworn are manifested by people's emotions, so go where the people are. Doppelgangers are going to want to be here. If there are a lot of people living, there have been a lot of people that have died. There will be haunted, ghostly places mm-hmm. all the way through. And also, I find that vampires tend to be around cities. If not in the city proper, they're nearby and they're preying on the city. They're yeah. in the city on yeah, a daily basis. Yeah. yeah, or a nightly basis. Anyway. Well, you know, um, magic and things. We live in a magical world, okay? <laughs> Uh, the next thing to think about is what kind of armies that you might find in a location like this. And I'm thinking law enforcement, knights, mercenaries, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily armies themselves, right? I imagine there'd be, if the town is big enough, they'll have a standing army, right? Like they a will, capital will have an army. There'll be a barracks with an armory and whatnot, sure. Yeah. But like, you're not going to... You're not going to look out and see the army marching through the streets on a, on a regular basis, the way that you might see a roving orc horde, right? So, yeah. Um, for natural features, you're going to find cities around waterways, natural defenses, like nearby mountains and cliffs, and, uh, and places that uh, will be on solid trade routes. Mm. And then um, for magical features, I was thinking, why would you build a city around a magical thing? Maybe there's a permanent portal that's in place. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So right. so this could be a hub for moving. Or maybe it's a holy site or, or there's a blessing because an angel touched down here once and blessed the land when he did. And so people have built a community around them. When I think about the spells I'm going to run into in a city, it's going to be anti-magic spells, um, dispel magic, counterspell, social spells like friends and charm person, uh, healing, restoration, remove curse because 
We need people to stay alive. Uh, illusion spells like Disguise Self and Ultra Self, but also like minor illusions as well for storefronts and and signs and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Prestidigitation of Thaumaturgy. Yeah, makes yeah, sense. Makes sense. So that's kind of like a really quick overview and breakdown of what I expect to find in an urban environment. Mm -hmm. I like it. Who's next? That's uh, Kyle. Uh, that's me. Kyle's next. Uh, so I've got forests. Um, so, I mean, what kind of settlements can you typically find in a forest? Fur trappers and hunters, uh, hermits, logging camps. Uh, you can often find fey. Mm -hmm. Honestly, for, I, when I think of forest, I think it is like Dungeons and Dragons, right? Ewoks. Yeah, it is like that. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. My favorite <laughs> D&D playable race, the Ewok. Ewok. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, I mean, you can find lots of kinds of settlements here. Um, it, I think some of the biggest challenges, though, in terms of living here is predation, right? Especially because you can't really see what's coming in a forest, right? It's not like a city or grasslands where you've got a big, wide view. Anything can be hiding in a forest. Mm -hmm. and, like, from armies to orcs to some horrible beast, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, even here, right now... There was a woman that was attacked by a bear, like, a couple blocks from here, wasn't there? Yep. Right? Like, it's still a thing that goes on. What? Yeah. Yeah. Bears still attack people? I thought they, like... They do when the woman tries to feed the fucking bear. Okay. Yeah. I, like, Fair I'm enough. sorry. I'm, a, I'm pro bear on this one. <laughs> Dude, absolutely. I went... I did the Coquitlam Crunch, and I, like, was walking up the stairs. Fuck, did you? I did. Holy I was shit. I was walking up the stairs, when? and I was... I did it like every day up, well, up until I left for Japan because I wanted to make sure that I could walk when I got to Japan. <laughs> That's fair. So every I did it every day for three months. I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. That's shit. Good for you. But there was one day I did it. I was walking up and I was just kind of like listening to music, paying attention to like my steps and my feet. And all of a sudden I look up and there's like, at, like two flights up. There's just a bear standing there. And I'm like, nope. <laughs> just like slowly toddled backwards down the stairs. Like, <laughs> I have a picture of it, which I will share later. But yeah, like it was, yeah. That's cool. I, it's a it, black bear, clearly. Yeah. 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 I actually saw one earlier today. Did you? Yeah. They're all over the place, right? Like we have bears in our urban environments here. Guys. Yeah. 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 Uh, other than that, I think also access to enough and consistent food, right? Especially if there is no good farming land close by. If you're living deep within the forests of like Germany, right? There's not a lot of arable land that you can do it. So. You got to make sure that you're hunting enough, and then what happens in winter? Are you still be able to get enough food, or did you stockpile enough? Did you preserve it well enough? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. What are your preservation processes like? Yeah. Resource you, management. Yeah. Did you probably, get botulism? You're probably smoking and salting a lot of meat and and yeah, vegetables, uh, pickling vegetables and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. root cellars and whatnot are going to be a big deal for every settlement. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what kind of races can you find here? I mean. Pretty much everything, right? I think, it, I would assume, not dwarves, probably. No. And then, other than that, I think you can find most common races, like you'll find elves, humans, kanku, furbolgs, gnomes, right? Yeah. Um, what does travel look like in terms of roads here? I mean, it's obviously going to depend on the remoteness, right? And yeah. where are, like, are you between two major cities? Because if you are, then chances are it's going to be a fairly well-paved road, mm -hmm. right? Um Roads are pretty important, but if you're getting out in the boonies, right, going to small settlements, if you're going to a logging camp, you're probably only going to find uh, something slightly more built out than a game trail. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, 
in terms of difficult terrain, you're going to find fallen trees, washed out roads, uh, big boulders that have come from avalanches, uh, maybe even earthquakes. Stealth here is going to be fairly easy, I think, right? Like, you got a lot of things yeah. to hide behind. Yeah, a lot of trees, it, a lot I feel of bushes. like there's a lot of hiding opportunities, but also, like, I, and this is something I always like to consider when thinking of stealth, is, like, you're walking on, like... Yeah, you're crunching on You're crunching leaves on and... leaves and shit like that. Oh, so yeah. I feel like, yes, for hiding, easy if you're not moving. But if you have to move, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to stay silent. Yeah. Yeah. Not stepping on any twigs. Yeah, yeah. or just falling into a tree. Well, duh, yeah. Duh. <laughs> That's twice you've mentioned tree whales. I'm, fair, I'm so scared of tree whales. <laughs> are, are you? I was like, t- like I think it was because we were winter camping once and we were doing a little snowshoeing. And they're like, don't, get out, don't go off the path because you could fall into like... A tree well like under the snow yeah and so i don't know why but that's stuck in my brain for the rest of my life and now if i ever walking through and it, our forests do not have tree wells yeah they do no, oh. not the ones in like the urban areas like if i walk in the oh, forest behind oh, my house okay. there will not be a tree well no, there. No, 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 no. but like to this day even if i'm just going on a walk outside in my backyard i'm like i don't want to get too close to that tree and i'm like megan you stand by that tree on a regular basis <laughs> there's so, six inches of snow get, I mean, get over walk. it you know what i mean but yes in the wilderness when you're up in the mountains yes there are or tree wells be scared of tree wells but like I just i don't know it's tree, tree wells are the reason that i don't go skiing off the the path yeah like, but, mm-hmm. but that's that's just common sense like but people don't people that don't live in mountainous areas will not know that yeah because like the only reason i was taught that was because we used to go hiking in yeah. the forest in the woods during the winter yep and like it was the only reason i was ever taught that otherwise i would not have that knowledge yeah they ingrained that into me when i was learning how to snowboard yeah right? they're like People die all the time. You get stuck upside down, and you're just... Oh, man, that sounds awful. Yeah, don't tell me not be afraid of tree wells. I'm afraid yeah. of tree wells. I'm not <laughs> telling you not to be afraid. It's just, like, it's very specifically you've you're mentioned like, it relax, twice. Megan. Like, Megan, you're not going to fall yeah. in a tree well. <laughs> <laughs> Flash forward 30 years. This is how I go. In a tree well. I knew it. <laughs> in six inches of snow. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. In terms of dangerous for the landscape, I mean... I. Tree wells, but yeah. Tree wells, yeah, obviously, are going to be the biggest ones. <laughs> Don't get me started again. <laughs> uh, I, but I think it's, if we're talking purely in terms of the landscape itself, I think it's going to be pretty safe compared to a lot of the other ones, right? Like mountains or coastal or on the sea, right? There are a lot of hostile environments. This isn't quite as hostile. Yeah. It's wilderness, but it's not actively trying to fucking kill you. No. Yeah. Like, maybe if it's a windstorm, you might have a tree fall on you, but I was gonna say, if you rare. If you add on the elements, yes, it becomes yeah. quite dangerous because, like, when it rains, water will stay because mm-hmm. the roots hold things in place. Mm-hmm. You want... Um, if it's, it's, if it's too warm or too hot and someone lights a fire to keep warm at night or whatever, and then all of a sudden you have a forest fire, escaping a forest fire, fucking dangerous. Yeah. But it's like, like we have to add an element to the that, forest to make it dangerous. To make right? it dangerous. Yeah. But it's... It can be. It can be, but yeah, it takes a little doing. Effort. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, hunting and tracking and gathering, I mean, fairly easy, right? You're if especially if you're tracking in like a wet forest where it sucks in uh, shoe prints and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, uh, you can find broken branches where someone was crossing through. There's a lot of ways that you can find. Things to track. And there's a lot of things that live in the forest. Yeah, a lot so of things like that live in the forest. So you won't be without things to hunt, right? Yeah. A couple kinds of monsters that you'll find here. I mean, a lot. Sturges, owl bears, green and gold dragons. Most troll. beasts. Yeah, most beasts. 
shambling mounds, a lot of plant creatures, um, trolls. Fey. Fey, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A couple kind of the armies that you're going to find here. I mean, pretty much everything. If you're, We're talking about like what's moving through here, right? Because oftentimes an army will travel through a forest to hide their numbers, right? Uh, so you're going to find orcs, goblins, gnolls. Um, you're also going to find elves and human armies and whatnot doing it too. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much everybody, you're right. Yeah, this one was really easy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what kind of unique features does it have? I mean, groves, lakes. Yeah. yeah I, I wanted to say caves, but I mean, caves aren't really unique to forests. They're pretty much everywhere. Yeah. But other than that, they yeah. got lots of trees. Yeah, rolling hills and... Yeah. Tree houses, like natural tree houses. Like, um, hollowed out, like hollowed out trees and oh, okay. stuff like yeah. that. Like... Mm-hmm. Uh... You're going to find deadfalls here where you won't in other places. Just like a massive mound of trees. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, like like a tree graveyard kind of thing? Or like where there was a forest fire and then there's just a well, bunch of no, stones? No, more like when there's a like a strong gust, like a gale force winds go through. Okay. It knocks down just a bunch of trees. Yeah. Um, and every once in a while you'll see this by like logging areas, but these are like man-made ones. But where all the trees have gone down and, like, the root system comes up with them. And they just make these impassable barriers of five or six trees fall on each other. Or you get a whole grove of half-dead trees that all get blown down in the same storm. Mm. You can't travel through those easily. No. Right? It's like a wall of roots. Yeah. Yeah. And we get big trees out here, too. So you're talking, like, ten feet across of just a solid bramble. Yeah, these are walls that have landed in front of you. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what kind of magical features I would add to this, uh, okay, so I actually adapted this uh, from another idea I had, but uh, an enchanted bog. I was trying to think of like hazards you could have, so what I would do is uh, along one of the roads there's like a little dip, and then at the bottom there's just this dirty brown puddle, right? It's probably only like ankle deep, and then there's just a bunch of desiccated corpses around the outside, and they could poke it with sticks, nothing will happen, weapons. Right, doesn't react to anything inanimate, but as soon as something alive touches it, it like grabs on and then slowly starts spreading over the body, like that mirror in the Matrix, Dustin Neo. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of things combined into one idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I really like that. That's that's an ooze. Right? Almost, yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I was just I was thinking like, oh, how could you do it? Like maybe it was water dripping off like a fey tree and so it kind of like absorbs magic i thought it was fun and creepy all right that's forest mm. all right i'm gonna talk about the grasslands uh, so all i can think about when i am imagining a grassland all i can think about is pokemon <laughs> fuck sakes <laughs> <laughs> you know find little critters along the way and like heighten like you know, yeah. you know tall get grass yourself a or whatever. get yourself a weedle <laughs> or you know what have you um or the other thing I picture immediately is something along, like, the Feylands, where you have, like, that long, endless field that has nothing in it except for, like, that one singular tree sitting mm-hmm. in the center that you know is magical and will probably kill you if you approach it. Yeah. I also imagine that. Okay. <laughs> I kind of imagine uh, there's... It was a movie on Netflix that came out not too long ago. It was, like, In the Tall Grass. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nope, that's creepy. 
Uh, well, when I think about traversing through the grasslands, I think about what can make it somewhat difficult. Obviously, I feel you can make it difficult terrain depending on how tall the grass is mm -hmm. and depending on how tall your players are. <laughs> Because if you're a halfling wandering through tall grass that's up to someone's knees, it might be up to your shoulders. You yeah. know what I mean? So, <laughs> so depending on your group, tall grass might not be a problem to somebody, but it's going to be a problem to somebody else. I, right? keep, th I keep thinking about the, uh, the velociraptors in the Lost World where you can see their tails moving like oh. shark fins yeah. through the long grass when he's kobolds through like <laughs> short grass. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that was one of my ideas for like when it came to like um, hunting or chasing things down in like these in like grasslands. Is yeah. you'll just see little bits and pieces popping up, like running through these, and that's how you follow them and can track and stuff mm -hmm. like that, right? But that being said, when I think of other kinds of like plants or wildlife that would grow here, um, I would consider things like like poisonous plants can grow in tall grass or yeah. Yeah. living plants. You know, like the the bram shambles or whatever those are called. Shambling mounds. Shambling mounds. The bram shambles. The bram shambles. Yeah. Yeah. You have been fucking eaten by shambling mounds. <laughs> I have. Yeah. The bram shambles. Yeah. I think I actually mentioned that in my actual notes. <laughs> but I imagine like also adding things like stinging nettles, like plants from real life that would just be really annoying to traverse through. Um, plants that have seeds that get implanted on your like your skin or your clothes, yeah. and then you carry them into other areas, could also be like a magical, like growing plant that is now like taking over your bag or something okay. like that. Right? Or, or what, what was the the field of flowers that Dorothy and the others had to go through in the Wizard of Oz? The poppies, the yeah, yeah, drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, the opiate fields. Yeah. Right? I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think you could just make, if you want to make a grass, grassy area feel more exciting, just add shit that grows, right? It's yeah. plants, so. Oh, or uh, what it? the, the plants that scream. Shriekers? Shriekers. Shriekers. Yeah, yeah, those little fucking mushrooms. Yeah. I also wrote that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but tracking in these areas, as I mentioned, could be quite easy because you could probably see footprints. There would be bent grass. Um, and then it would be easy to spot someone, especially if it's an open field, because there's vast openness in front of you. So if yeah. they're tall running through the field, you're going to be like, there it is. Yeah. Like you're tracking a deer, you're going to see it running across the field. So unless you like get into like rolling hills or like, like valleys and peaks and valleys that exist. But... Yeah. If you're moving across Saskatchewan, you can fucking see the next city for eight fucking hours before you get to it. It's so weird coming from the West coast and going central or East coast and not having any mountains. Yeah. It's eerie. I, I, I literally talk about the oppressive nature of too much sky and people from back East don't fucking understand it. But yeah. I, I'm used to having literal walls at, on at least one side of me at all times. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, well, when it comes to other creatures you might come across, I kind of mentioned that you'd stumble on probably, like, smaller critters, like your mice, your rats, your deer, like your common, like, animals that just live and graze within these fields. But something I really wanted to focus on is birds. Yeah. Because it is an open field, there are going to be all kinds of bird-like creatures, and there's tons within, like, the DMG of just, like, different types of birds that would exist. Hmm. Because they're going to be picking off the animals that live within mm -hmm. the grasslands, right? Yeah. So the animals within the grass are probably not what you're going to be worried about, but it's going to be the vultures or whatever that's sitting up above you. Or, like, you know... Yeah, you're going to have uh, birds of prey in the lone trees or the little cops of trees that are around. Yeah. The predators are going to live in there. Exactly, right? I could also imagine, like... 
if this was like a field that was lined by like a forest or something like that, you would have a colony of Aarakocra or something that live mm-hmm. like on okay. the edges of these fields yeah. uh, because they utilize them, A, maybe for a little farm town or B, just, to, you know, there's going to be so many critters living in here that they can just live off the land. It's interesting because you're going to get a lot of nomads, I think. Your centaurs and orcs and whatnot will yeah. be in the grasslands moving around. Yeah. For very similar, it mentions, I can't remember which book it is, uh, it mentions that orcs, probably Volos, uh, would raid but not burn down little villages that have popped up and whatnot because they've got a circle, like a cycle that they go through that in four years they will be back to hit this village again mm-hmm. because it will have recovered and have things to Regrown. raid again. Yeah. Right? And so there, there will be a lot of nomadic movement I, you could you could see quite a few different kinds of intelligent creatures out here. Exactly, because mm-hmm. like in my mind, a, an open field just screams farmland. Mm-hmm. So any any society or colony could build up a little farm on a grassland and just exist. Yeah, right. Yeah. Whether they are like living in, in like a horseshoe or a circle or what have you, they're just going to use the land because it's easy to use. Because you're not going to make a farm in a forest. There won't be a farm in an urban setting. Mm-hmm. You're going to yeah. be looking outskirts to these grasslands to have these little colonies, little farmer families that live there cultivating the land, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it can be, of any, in my mind, any race, what have you. I also imagine just, like, hill giants would just be floating around in these areas, too, yeah. right? Oh, absolutely. Picking off, like, the, the littles that live there, right? You're not going to have too many, like, big, big, big creatures because there's not a whole lot to support them. The, so yeah. like two yeah. or three hill giants moving together or a couple of ogres makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But if I'm going to go big, I'm going to go underground like my bullets and my purple worms and shit. Yeah. Like more like yeah. your, your gross ground creatures. But, um, it, but speaking of like larger creatures, if, when talking about battle or using like army, what armies would be seen on these, I feel like, a Large, vast grassland would be used as the battlefield. Yes. Yeah. So you could see any army on here. Yeah. Or it's where they're traversing to get from one place to another. Like, because it's open land, you can see where you're going, it's safe space. Yeah. Right? So, um, I had a really cute idea that if you wanted to make a grass field more interesting, turn it into a tall grass corn maze. Uh, and force your players to map it out as they're walking. <laughs> so, like, imagine, like, you have your own map of, like, what the area looks like and, like, what things are going to come across. And they actually have to keep track of what they run into. So someone actually has to map out where they're walking so they don't get lost. Okay, that could be pretty fun. Yeah. I have built a, a corn maze in my life. And I... Like, we're talking real life? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It is a pain in the ass. Building... A, like exterior outdoor mazes where you cannot see the beginning or the end. Yeah. Yeah. Is a piece of shit to do. I can imagine. Like mapping that out alone when you're building it is a pain in the ass. Going through when you don't know what the plan is supposed to be is fucking brutal. No, thank you. Yeah. I imagine that's really hard. I went to a corn maze when I was in elementary school and our school got banned from the corn maze because we just destroyed it. We did not go through, like, just went right through the corn. Oh my socks. god. You jerks. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I when I was in Scouts uh, and the movie Signs came out. Mm. Uh, my dad had a big thing of doing outdoor movies because we just had a projector and we had a big screen that we could watch movies on. Cool. So we actually went to one of our corn mazes, watched Signs in the middle of the cornfield, and then did the cornfield at night. That's, oh, that's scary. Right. It, was, yeah. it was really cool. I was scared out of my mind, but it was great. <laughs> Have you seen, I'm sorry, total sidebar. Have you seen, there's a, a theater 
somewhere in the States, but it's like a drive-in, but you get in little boats and rafts and dinghies and stuff, and it's all water, and they've got this massive screen, and you just like float around, and you can paddle over to the bar and stuff, and it's really cool. But they showed Jaws in it one time. Uh-huh. I'd be fucking done. I, like, I am know that done. Yet. Or like those crocodile movies. What are those ones called? Like Lake Placid. Lake Placid and, and yeah. shit like that. Fuck no, that. I am fucking done. Yeah. No. But otherwise, that is Grassy Fields, my friends. So now we're going to move on to a couple of different environments that have to do with water. Are we going to keep the same rotation? Or are we going to ride roll again? You're in charge. Yeah. Let's roll again. Can you get it together? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got eight, nine, oh uh, one. Suck it! All right, I'm gonna so, talk about some of the best for last. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you think that about yourself. Um, I'm gonna uh, talk about swamps. Swamps. Um, so all I can really think about is, of course, I would just like to be a bog hag who lives here. <laughs> <laughs> Next. You're done. <laughs> but when I imagine a swamp, I imagine things like it's obviously overgrown, rotting, like like gross, wet, um, seaweedy-like things. It's very dark. It's very dingy. It's moist. It's foggy. Uh, and just smells of rot. Like the full circle of life is happening here. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Florida. Yeah. <laughs> it is Florida. <laughs> That's not a circle of life. That's a dead end of life. It's a dead end of life, yeah. <laughs> Um, but at the end of the day, it would, like how you said, it's called my next sentence. It would be a very special kind of person to live here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but yeah, um, when it comes to dangers of being in these areas, it just screams difficult terrain. Obviously I never imagined swamps being that deep. So even anyone with like a swim speed wouldn't necessarily benefit from the amount of liquid that resides here. So whether you're on foot or on fin, either or is going to be not a great time for you. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be uniquely built like a crocodile or something. Yeah. Like a webbed amphibious type of foot. Um, so in, in the, the folks that I thought would like live here, if not just like a bog hag that lives by herself or like with her hag friends, is like your lizard folk, like your more amphibious lizard folk or those kinds of things would live here. To, to that point, in the campaign builder, we came up with, we invented swamp elves mm-hmm. um, because sea elves wouldn't cut it. Right? That's fair. It, like, it just doesn't feel right to have sea elves in a swamp. Right? No. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I feel like this is where your hermits would go. Like, people that just mm. want to be away from the city and, like, there's, again, full circle of life here. There's... You, there's food, there's enough things to like forage and eat, and you could just live here if you wanted to. It's just really gross and moist. Um, when it comes to challenges of living within the swamp, it would of course be, even though there's like small little creatures, there's going to be a lack of large wildlife. Except for snakes and crocodiles. But that's what I mean, like, okay, that's very specific though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. If I'm thinking, like, your general swamp in the forest behind your house, like, that's where you want to live, like, it's going to be tiny little creatures. You're not going to have a lot of the larger forest swarms. life coming here. No. Yeah. So there's going to be swarms, bugs, like, all the all those annoying gnats, like, that kind of stuff is where you're going to come across, right? You need bats and shit, too, but you're right, small stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, your small potatoes thing. So when it comes to survival, you might not be able to have, like, a big hunt here. You're going to have to explore elsewhere to get, like, big game if that's what you require to live, right? There's going to be a lot of vegetation, though. Yes. So yeah, mm. lots of lots of lots of nice little nibbles. Lots of salad. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna have a lot of mushroom salads. So many mushroom yeah. walks. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, when it comes to being able to like stay stealthy with these in, in these areas, it's kind of similar to what I mentioned about being in the forest. Yeah, there's probably a lot of things to hide behind, a lot of bogs, a lot of like thick weed to hide in. But once you have to move, everything knows you're there. Everything yeah. knows you're there. You're making a lot of noise. The water's moving. There's squelching sounds like constantly, right? When it comes to tracking things within these lands, I feel like it'd be somewhat easy because you would have swampy like footprints or but then at the same time it would disappear once the puddle shifts and moves yeah. uh so it's kind of like yes tracking through here would be easy if it was like soon like i don't know how to say that like yeah you've got you've got to get to it quickly or yeah. it's going to disappear relatively quickly like if you like see that. a track in the ground it's because it happened recently yeah mm. not because it happened a week ago so yeah i would imagine the landscape is shifting all of the time in swampland yes. as well like even your landmarks are going to have to be pretty specific. Yeah, because I even met, like, in my mind, even if you're hunting something and you come across a swamp, I feel like your hunting roles and, like, those skill checks are going to have to, like, the difficulty is going to have to increase. Because you're now navigating the difficult terrain and dealing with, like, the loss of some of the footprints. Or if they were bleeding, it's not going to show anymore because it goes into the water. It doesn't get rubbed on a plant. You know yeah. what I mean? So It's also dark, too, so I think it covers a lot. And if it's foggy, if you add the fog, a factor to it, like, yeah, depending lots of, on what time of day it is. Do you guys lots feel, of quick rains, yeah. quick, heavy rains. Do you guys feel like in a swamp versus a forest, the canopy is going to be, which one is the canopy thicker and more, and darker and more oppressive? I think that in if if the forest would have the darker, like, canopy because the trees are taller and, like, yeah. the shade and the would be there. Yeah. I feel like in a like swamp, also... you could have open spaces, but it's just because I feel like the vegetation's lower in a swamp. Yeah. Every yeah. time I've seen a swamp, it, like, the trees are pretty, like, spread out and they're normally thin. Yeah. Right? Whereas here... Until you get to the point of, like, the bayou. Yeah. Which yeah. is, like, do you guys count that as coastal or is that... Swampland. Are we talking like mangroves? Yeah, I'm talking like the Louisiana, like I don't know well enough to be honest. Yeah, can tell you. Other than my previous mention about hags, uh, I would sure imagine you would find other races like again lizard folk I mentioned before, but like things like bullywugs could probably live here. Oh yeah, like all, all frogs. your frog people. Yeah. Frog. There are so many frog people. Yeah, um, and this could be a great stomping ground for any colony of any kind that's a druid. It's just, it's a, again, a full circle of life lives here. It's, yeah. it's its own existing biome kind of thing. Yeah. Um, the plant life, uh, in similar to like how I talked about when it comes to the grassy fields, I feel like the plant life can be alive. So here you can also have your shambling mounds or your shrieking mushrooms. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it can go, e you could go even as big as to house a black dragon if you wanted to, because swamplands tend to be where black dragons like to layer themselves mm, yeah. out. Right? I feel like at that point you're getting more into a bio. Yeah, you're getting more inland kind of thing. Well, just bigger, deeper waters, yeah. right? But I think it would be really cool, like, even if you're on the outskirts of one, just walking through a swamp, you come across maybe some dragon eggs. You never know. If you wanted to make it even more difficult, uh, you can add things to, like, the puddles. Uh, so make pools of water either poisoned or acidic, depending on how close you are to a mountainous area. You just, I think my head, all I can think about is, like, uh, Dante's Peak. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God, that poor woman. Right? Um, or in general, just make it maybe like a, um, if it was a swamp that was a natural hot spring. So that the waters themselves are actually very warm and hot. Mm -hmm. So it's just uncomfortable and humid, right? And you have a lot of like noxious clouds around as well. Yeah, exactly. Well, because again, the vegetation is like dying out. Mm -hmm. So it's going to, it's going to smell rotten and like it might not be healthy to breathe in, in some areas. Right? Yeah. So those are some things to keep in mind. Mm. But that's swamps. Now I'm thinking of the fire swamp from Princess Bride. 
Oh, uh, with the big rats or whatever yeah. they're called? Yeah. Also, what's the difference between a bayou and a swamp? Like, what makes a bayou a bayou? Scope, I think. Because bayous have, like, rivers and shit in them. Like, full on. Yeah, you need, like, a hovercraft or a, or, or a speedboat or something to move around in a bayou. But not necessarily yeah. in a swamp. You can... That's a good question. None of us are experts on this because we live in a temperate rainforest. Yes. We, we don't have swampland. The yeah. swamps that we have are little swampy areas. We right? don't have crocodiles. No. no. <laughs> we have frogs. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, no, I would say that uh, swamps are going to be more standing water, yeah. right? Whereas bayous are flowing water. Okay. Uh, swamps are going to be a lot more rotten than a bayou. Bayou is going to be, because the water's moving. Mm. It's it, more like lively and tropical. Closer to the ocean. Yeah. 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 Okay. You're, and you're going to get bigger reptiles yeah. in okay. a bayou than you will in a swamp. Yeah. All right. There you go. Who's next? Adam? That'll be me. Uh, speaking of water, let's go beneath it. So in underwater uh, campaigns, you got to look for the different kinds of settlements there. This one's a little bit... Uh, I find this fucking annoying because between... Star Wars Episode One and Aquaman and like we've seen underwater cities and shit and they're all like gleaming palaces that are full of like they're just a metropolis with a bubble around them half mm-hmm. the time and shit and that's not that's that's not what it should be not when you're dealing with proper like creatures with gills so the settlements you're gonna have here are gonna be palaces built of coral or sunken cities and ruins that have been reclaimed. Right, they're going to be um, more natural, and we're not going to have the sand castles that are Little Mermaid, or right, like the the things that look like they're made of giant conch shells. Like that, that shit doesn't make sense to me. It shouldn't be opalescent, pearly shit, and it's a beautiful underwater city. Maybe sea elves. Maybe sea elves. I mean, considering pearls are made by sea creatures, exactly. Like, yeah. how big is that fucking oyster? Yeah. Right. So. Um, could be huge. I mean, we are talking about f- fantasy. Oh, it could be if it's yeah. from, from the plane of water. It absolutely could be. But then, like, for the most part, I feel like when you are going to see it, find an underwater city, um, you are going to you are going to run into some specific kind of challenges, right? And mm. it's it's it, nothing lasts forever. Do you know how quickly shit rots at the bottom of the ocean? No, oh, it's yeah. picked over, right? Like. Even bones disappear really quickly. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, hey, look, we built this city doesn't really hold for me, right? So That makes sense. Um, a lot of the challenges that we have underwater are obviously breathing, right? But It's fair. Yeah. <laughs> but we also have the idea that communicating is going to be hard, right? Because you can't speak underwater. Sight is going to be limited, and it's going to be cold as fuck. Right. And so these are real challenges that civilizations will either have to overcome or their their populace will be able to just naturally deal with this kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, like speaking underwater is possible. Like think of whales. Right. Sure. But like I'm talking about the creatures like sea elves that have vocal cords. Yeah. It's going to be more difficult for you to speak underwater. Yeah. So speaking of the races, the big ones are Tritons, Lokatha, sea elves, merfolk and Sahuagin. These are, these are the big ones you're going to run into over and over and over again. Uh, they're all going to have different settlements, but for the most part, they're going to have to follow the same rules. There will be no roads, because travel underwater is going to be done by landmark and distance and by current, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, your difficult terrain will be literally everything unless you have a swim speed. And uh, 
Stealth here is going to be way easier because the visibility... One of the scariest things ever for me is when you see a character that is underwater and slowly that massive shape starts to form where it's just a dark mass at first and it starts to get more features and then you realize you're looking at some gargantuan fucking creature. That terrifies the shit out of me. Mm. So the fact that something that big can get that close without you knowing, scary as fuck. Okay, Okay. speaking of stealth though, like... uh, because earlier when you mentioned, uh, when you are talking about the urban environment, you were talking about, you know, when you're doing stealth, you were doing more charisma, right? And yeah. so I think it's going to be the same thing underwater. Stealth is going to be a very different game, right? How things track, how things find their prey, right? Because mm-hmm. one, sound travels underwater very, very well. Yeah. Uh, and then two, like you think of like sharks where they can smell blood half a mile away. Yeah, I was thinking more for player characters. Stealth is going to be hard, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. For creatures, some creatures will be able to do it very easily. Mm. Yeah. Um, when it comes to vehicles and mounts, I mean, you have large fish, aquatic mammals, and reptiles for mounts, and then vehicles are going to be submersibles, like the apparatus of Qualish. So there are a handful of things out there, but it always feels silly to me. Every time that I see fucking Aquaman riding a dolphin, I'm like, this is this is not my jam, guys. This is yeah. not what I'm about. <laughs> or a seahorse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there are uh, a whole lot of extreme dangers underwater. The creatures can grow much bigger here. Most surfaces have places for creatures to hide. Plant life usually can sting or it's poisonous. And you've got the breathing in the cold is trying to kill you. These are the problems that are active issues that you are going to struggle with. Yeah. So this is a hostile, hostile environment. Yeah. Hunting, tracking, and gathering. I'm going to say hunting and gathering, easy. Tracking, not so much. Mm-hmm. Not unless you have that shark nose for blood, right? So yeah. the kind of fantastical monsters we're going to get down here are going to be aboliths, morkoths, kraken, dragon turtles, uh, chul, marrow, crab folk, and kuatoa. We're going to get sea hags, sea furies. And naiads, and then water elementals. You'll notice there's a lot of psychic involved in aquatic shit, and that is because it's hard to talk underwater. So, uh, as far as armies, I don't know, man. Tritons, CLs, and Sahuigan, those are the armies you're going to run into. Probably yeah. not much more than that. Expect to see things like coral features, uh, underwater catacombs. I'd even count shipwrecks as being a natural and like feature because the surface is going to just start dropping shit. Down into the underwater, right? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, it, it rains stuff underwater, so... Um, <laughs> Items. Yeah. Things. <laughs> uh, pe- peoples and places. Uh, <laughs> magical features that you can run into. I wa- I started to come up with a bunch of like unique ideas very, that are very specific, but I realized that I was consistently looking at bioluminescence and exothermic uh, features. Things that are giving off heat or light. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing to think about, and it's one of my favorite genres is underwater aliens from like the abyss to sphere to underwater, the movie underwater, um, massive alien weird, like mind flayer ships that have crashed in the ocean. And then you get into it and you are trapped in this space underwater where everything is hostile and very strange. So. Underwater does give us that kind of feel sometimes that I think gets overlooked in D&D. Yeah. And then, of course, clearly you need specific spells to watch out for, like water breathing, shape water, control water. But be prepared for lightning and poison. This is what you're up against, right? Yeah. Interesting. Do you think that underwater settlements would be built close to 
exothermal vents? Depends. Uh, in the plane of water, absolutely not. So anything that's coming from the plane of water... Would, would, would like, exist yeah. when it's cold, Yeah, right? so your Tritons and your Sahuagin and your Aboliths don't need that shit. Yeah. But maybe Sea Elves and Lokatha and Kuatoa that... Uh, well, Lokatha, maybe not. But, like, Sea Elves and Kuatoa, they can get up on land and walk around. And they're used to... They, they communicate. They've got their own languages. They are going to have areas where there's going to be little oxygen bubbles and whatnot. They probably need a certain amount of heat and whatnot. So yeah. I could see it for some, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also going to have far bigger variety of life around these like exothermic vents. Uh, in reality, you get all sorts of crazy, weird creatures. That, like lava like, snails? I fucking love the iron fucking shell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. These are fucking cool. This is the second time we've brought up on the podcast, actually. <laughs> so it's funny. Um, but uh, as a matter of fact, it might have been you and me last time. <laughs> so, I love this for you guys. Yeah. yeah. Do you not know about the lava snails? No, I don't know. They're about the metal as fuck. They're yeah, like literally. Yeah. Like, their their shell is made of iron. They like yeah. produce iron. And they got like iron plates along where they move. All right. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. These things are fucking rad. They live so. in like 400 degree environments. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, you're going to run into a lot of like. If it's going to be hot, you're going to get more colorful fish. You're going to get a lot of different kinds of plants. But the more creatures there are, the more hostile they are. Because they've got to live and and vie for dominance in this area, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you're going to find a whole lot of sharks. Maybe a reef shark, but like the big sharks are out in the big empty ocean. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I was just I never thought about it. I never thought about exothermal vents in terms of... D&D. I like putting volcanoes where volcanoes shouldn't be. Like underwater or in the Arctic and shit. Just so like you go up into the Arctic and you're doing a snow campaign and suddenly you're fighting fire giants. The fuck did that come from? That's rad. Yeah. Volcanoes. (laughs) All right, Kyle, you're next. All right. Uh, So I got coast. So where land meets the sea. Uh, A couple kind of settlements that you're going to find here. Fishing villages. Keeps guarding... Uh, the entrance ways to water, uh, oh my god, I wrote that backwards. Fishing villages, keeps that guard the entrances to waterways, um, stuff like that. I mean, I, I don't think you're gonna find, oh, uh, port villages as yeah, well. Yeah, trading ports, I was like, yeah. I was like, where, who's gonna build a city on the coast? Not thinking that we live in a coastal city. <laughs> I was like, okay, you're just talking about our city. Yeah. <laughs> There will be a ferry terminal. There will uh, be, be people <laughs> with too many bike lanes. Yeah. <laughs> bike lanes. <laughs> Two wheeled carriages. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who would live there? <laughs> it's my first day. Uh, what are going to be some of the biggest challenges? I can't believe I like didn't like put two and two together. We live there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a genius. I'm killing it today. Uh, what is going to be one of the biggest challenges? You know, unpredictable and inclement weather. Um, mm-hmm. Normally, the ground is not going to be arable too close to the sea because there's a lot of salt in the air. Yeah. Uh, and threats from both land and sea, right? Especially in Dungeons & Dragons world where you got the worst of both worlds. Yeah. Um, what kind of races are you going to find here? Close to the shore, you're going to find the water genasi, turtles, humans, sea elves... Sirens, Tritons, all the normal stuff. Uh, Roads, I mean, coastal travel has usually been pretty big. Bike lanes. Yeah, Yeah, bike lanes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Mess me up. 
Sea Dew Lanes. Yeah. Like I, was, I was also waiting for an opportunity to talk about how potheads yeah. live in coastal cities as well. Ah, oh, the hippies. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Surfers. Yeah. Cobblestones. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, coastal travel has normally been pretty big, right? Um, it has generally been pretty safe. You have... Uh, you can be supplied by both land and sea. So roads are generally going to be pretty good around coastal areas. But mm -hmm. once again, it's also going to depend on how rural you are and how far away you are from major cities. So it could just be dirt paths. Um, difficult terrain here is going to look like large rocks, sandy beaches, um, rocky beaches. Like our beaches here are fucking difficult terrain to walk along. Yes. Fuck, aren't they just? No. Barnacles. Don't even get me started. Oh, my God. Barnacles. Fucking barnacles. <laughs> there are some, like, rocky beaches that we have here that are so impossible. Like, I'm afraid I'm going to break a fucking ankle. Yeah. yeah. Every single step. And you're going to fall in the water and you're going to drown. Like, yeah. It's I just... feel like I'm Megan on high heels on a cobblestone path. <laughs> 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 I feel like... Can I get to send you that on a t-shirt and be like, Megan... <laughs> And a pair of high heels and some cobblestone. <laughs> <laughs> all you're just saying is that I'm in more trouble than Megan on a cobblestone path on high heels. Yeah. <laughs> it's a level of measurement. Yeah. <laughs> My ankles. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Slippery rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in a coastal town. Yeah. yeah. Is that salt water? <laughs> uh, how easy or hard is it to me to use uh, vehicles or mounts off-road? I mean, pretty fucking tough because off-road is going to be in the water uh, unless you brought a seahorse to ride on. You got beaches too, but I mean, like, what? <sighs> You're not going to get carriage down a beach. No, I just, I, yeah, I was about to say, like, you're going to have small watercraft, I yeah. guess, to get from one to, like, canoes and jet skis. And jet skis, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I was going. Like, Rowboats and jet skis. <laughs> the perfect combination. Yeah, that tinkerer down the way. <laughs> um, but, like, I was thinking about, you could get uh, giant lizards as mounts to go across beaches and, yeah. and the rocky terrain. So, like, there's a couple of options in, in the... Like published material, but you got to get creative with it. Yeah, horses are not going to do it. Yeah, it's you're going to have to be very specific. Yeah. So, uh, how dangerous is the landscape? I mean, it can be very dangerous. You've got to deal with shit coming off the sea, so rogue waves or you know big storms coming off the ocean as well. The wind. Yeah, the wind is a big one. Do you think that there's you're going to see a lot of ruins as well because there's so much danger on the coast that as a small settlement like a little port city or a lighthouse or whatnot mm. gets attacked and, and you know crumbles. People are not going to go back out there necessarily and rebuild it because it's so fucking remote. They may just find a different place to try again further down yeah. the yeah, coast, probably. right? So you, I think you're going to find a lot of Eerie haunted ruins and shit along coasts. Haunted yeah. lighthouses. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Haunted lighthouses for sure. Although at the same, by the same token, I think you will find um, a lot of places built over in terms of along the coast because coastal cities are normally built where there's a bay, where there's yeah. a natural bay, right? So wherever there's a bay, that's where you're going to find a coastal city. So yes and no. Yeah, I I think that you're you're right. You're going to have there will be cities. I bet Not within the same generation, right? Because yeah. people aren't 
Like, if someone sees the town attacked and burned and raised to the ground, chances are you're going to be like, well, that's a bad place to build a town. But you give it a hundred years, yeah, someone's going to try again. Yeah. I also feel like you're going to get little, like, hermit settlements that are, like, upside-down capsized ships on the beach, right? With yeah. With a hole in the side of it. Yeah. Right? Like, you're going to get weird outskirts of society, like... You're gonna get you're gonna get the fucking weirdos out on yeah. the coast as well because it's easy living as well. You get fish and there's probably some access to fresh water that trickles into the you know larger bodies of water. Yeah, if you're and, close by a river. Yeah, you and like there's gonna be yeah like open areas. There's gonna be foliage. There's gonna be animals that are around both in the sea and on land. Like even just like little tide pools. It's yeah, like living on a delta, life. right? Yeah, like, yeah. like a river. Like stream, yeah. Like it feels like you could eke out a rough living here. Mm-hmm. You could do it, but it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in terms of tracking and hunting, I mean, probably pretty hard. Uh, I guess you're fishing. Yeah, so you're, you're, fishing. you're fishing more than hunting. Yeah. Um, unless you go inland for the hunting. Yeah. Right? But there'll be a lot of animals, especially large animals, that come down to the coast, right? Yeah, like you have we... the bears coming down for their fishies or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so there's there well, are. Well, no, they normally do it by rivers, don't they? Yeah, but where if you're, it's if you're all coastal, contained. like to your point, there's going to be fresh water trickling into the to the seawater somewhere. True. Yeah. Right. right. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. Uh, lots of birds too. Mm. Um, Seagulls, fuck those guys. Yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> you said it. You can just eat them. You implied it. <laughs> the implications. The, the implications. Speaking of boats. Uh, what kind of monsters are you going to find here? I mean, once again, a lot. Anything from the sea. So, merfolk. So, who again? Blue and bronze dragons. Sea spawn. Sea hags. Marids. Uh, I love that you can also... find a hag anywhere. Yeah. 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 Very diverse. <laughs> They're very adaptable. These, you hags. know, we yeah. love we love a good hag. Uh, yeah, uh, a couple kinds of armies that you're gonna find here. I mean, once again, water based races, but then you're also gonna find land based ones, right? If they're coming like, like naval across, armies, yeah, sure, if yeah. they're coming across from another continent to wage war here, you know, you could face an armada, right? Um, uh, natural and unique features. I mean, you've got half-submerged caves, which you're not likely going to find a lot of other places. Shallows, tide pools, stuff like that. Um, magical features that I would want to add to this environment. Uh, Elder Tempest, for one. Those things yeah. are badass. I would love to chase a party with one of those. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thinking about haunted shipwrecks, uh, stuff like that. Um, I was thinking about a monster that would act uh, as kind of a, a lighthouse you know i was thinking like a will-o'-wisp where it lures ships in when it's foggy oh, or at like, night what are those fucking fish called that have the big fucking light angler fish angler fish yeah. like, like that but on the end of a kraken yeah Ooh, that's interesting yeah i was just thinking like up on top of the rocks right like it's yeah. a ghost like maybe it died in a shipwreck or whatever and now it just acts as a light to bring more ships in so you've got this just graveyard of shipwrecks against oh, the bottom it, of a cliff. It, it's it's the the captain's wife that waited, even though the ship went down. She waited every day, holding a lantern, oh, and she died no. there. Now we're is nice. that a movie? What movie is that? Is that a movie? I feel like that's a movie. Uh, I know. Or it's I, just a myth. I I read something l- kind of like that in a book. Yeah, but it is. It was like a fantasy book. I feel like we may have read the same book, but I can't remember it, what book it is. It was Malazan Book of the Fallen. 
Anyways. Yeah. Nope. But they would, yeah, there, uh, actually it was a big thing, um, that they used to do, uh, like bandits would do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. They would fake a lighthouse to Well, that's a good point. Place. There's going to be a fuck ton of pirates yeah. as well. Oh, yeah. Lots of pirates. Uh, and then also emotional echoes. I actually was just reading about these from Tash's Culture and Everything. Have you heard about these? Yeah, actually. we've got These are going to get covered in an episode coming up, too. So, okay. So, yeah. I fucking love these. Yeah. It's a really cool idea that I never really thought of. It's just like if your character is in a certain place uh, and then they feel whatever emotion... Uh, in that specific place, then all of a sudden they'll kind of get like a whisper, and then they have to roll a charisma check, I think. Otherwise, they'll it, like it'll intensify that feeling. So it'll be like if you're standing on a cliff face and you might feel sad because it reminds you of something you love that you lost, and then oh shit, you got to roll this thing, and then the suggestion is like uh, doubt or um, sadness, right? And then you feel I, it more. Yeah. Interesting. I always, I have put that in every fucking haunted house that I have, where one of the triggers is if you feel scared, then you get a, a vision, an idea, an insight into the last victim in this room, right? Nice. And so you guys have gotten visions and shit in game, and I've never telegraphed why. Yeah. I've just been like the scary thing, and then someone will be like, "Ew, no, thank you. I fucking hate it. It's gross, and I don't like it." But like, perfect. Yeah. You get a vision of right, and so. I love emotional echoes. I think it's rad. Yeah, that's a that's a great, uh, great thing to add. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be really good in the Feywild as well. Mm, yeah, right. Crazy enough. All right, moving on to more difficult areas to traverse through. Um, let's roll dice again. Figure it out, Kyle. Come on. I couldn't see it. I thought Megan grabbed both of them. <laughs> Sixteen. Six. Eight. All right. All right. Well, I'm going off the main fucking books again to a different kind of terrain uh, that a lot of people are aware of, and I think a lot of high-level campaigns play with, but we don't have any material that supports it, and that's uh, the sky. Wee. Wee. The settlements you're going to find up here are, like, at first, like, none, but there's actually a couple. First of all, cliff faces and mountaintops are going to have settlements, right? So of like Aarakocra and Goliaths and whatnot. But you're also going to have settlements of uh, floating castles. Look out for beanstalks because cloud giants li- like live on. <laughs> <laughs> you all right, Megan? Someone you love mentioned cloud giants. giants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, they live on solid cloud, right? So, yeah. I feel like I've heard you mention beanstalks several times. I do love myself a good beanstalk. Yeah. Moving on. The challenges that you, <laughs> that you find here um, are going to be the fact that if you're going to try to travel through the area, you have no available resources without landing somewhere. It's yeah. not like you can even go fishing for skyfish. Like, there's nothing... I, no, no, hold on. You laugh. That is a thing you can do in the astral plane. You can go Sky fishing. fishing? Yeah, off the side of your spell jammer to catch, like, space fish. Yeah. Weird fucking, anyways. Yeah, there's a sense that's never been said before. So, uh, it's gonna be fucking difficult to hide up here. Yeah. And you're dealing with 3D maneuvering. It's not just on a 2D plane anymore. You've gotta not only be concerned about going up and down, but also you have to be concerned about other creatures being above you or below you as well. Uh, And remember, it's gonna be cold. So, the races you're going to find up here are uh, Aarakocra and Owlin. And that's it. Even the ASMRs and the 
the were ravens and stuff, they're not living in the sky. You're not going to find creatures that just live up here, like races. There are definitely creatures that that fly. Mm. The sky swimmer from um, Ravnica, yeah. it's just this massive, massive snake that just lives in the sky. Yeah, but so, yeah, you're gonna have to land to find yeah a society yeah. somewhere, right? You hang out in the sky, you don't live there. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, you don't necessarily have roads. You're traveling by landmark again, right? Yeah. Sometimes those landmarks are gonna be constellations. Uh, when it comes to difficult terrain, you may think at first that there's none, but there's definitely weather. Uh, you've seen before, especially like fighter jet, like Top Gun movies, or like. Um, like spaceship movies like uh, Serenity where people are flying through canyons and whatnot mm-hmm. as well. So there's these tall, empty, open canyons and that will be difficult terrain to try to navigate through. Large caverns as well. Uh, stuff's going to be incredibly difficult. You're going to be looking for weather to mask you like clouds um, or you'll be traveling by night. Mm-hmm. Yep. As far as vehicles and mounts, clearly we have airships and spell jammers as far as the vehicles go. But for mounts, we've got all sorts of options. There's pterodons, dragons, clearly, wyverns, giant birds, or bugs, like butterflies. That's some of the options that you have in, like, Wild Beyond the Witchlight. What? Yeah. Right. They have giant butterflies. And, like, if you pull up some of the art, people are just flying just wild, crazy things, like brooms and butterflies and hot air balloons. And uh, it's just a, a wild variety of things. Right. But there's also, like, bats, giant bats as well, and... Mm. Uh, and Pegasus, Pegasi, Pegasus. Pegasus. The Greek Pegasode. Was, yeah, I just I just saw this on TikTok the other day. So, um, That's impressive. Uh, dangerous terrain up here is just going to be gusts of winds and storms, right? Like mm-hmm. you're avoiding lightning and you're avoiding gale force winds, right? Don't fly into the hurricane. You can hunt, and tracking might be difficult, especially if you're looking for clues. Like you can see something far away, but at that point you're hunting. Mm-hmm. So tracking, probably not. Gathering, probably not. Uh, the monsters up here are going to be dragons. A lot of giant animals like uh, bats and birds and, and whatnot. Celestials and fiends that can fly may come up here, but they they tend to stick by civilizations and settlements, so it's unlikely they're going to come up here. Air elementals, cloud giants, deep crows, rocks, hippogriffs, and griffins manticores and peritons and harpies there's just a lot of flying creatures however a lot of the flying creatures are undead and i don't feel like they're going to be up in the air a lot of like you when you think ghosts and and okay yeah Mm -hmm. a a lot of the apparitions they can fly and what's the grim reaper that's on the fucking night veil you guys covered in an undead episode it was one of the one of the reapers that flies this giant crazy looking bat thing and it's undead but again yeah, oh, I don't remember what it's the, called. No, it, no they, it is the Night Vale Spectre. It flies on the Glom Wing. Yeah, the Glom Wing. That's yeah. what it's called, yeah. So, so, like, there are these things, but I feel like they're around civilizations. They're not flying 700 feet up in the air. <laughs> what are they doing up there? You know yeah, what I mean? Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's hard to imagine an undead just in open sky. Yeah, just like ghosts flying about doing their yeah. own thing. Just like chilling. <laughs> the armies that you might see up here are going to be Aarakocra, but they tend not to be populous enough to have full armies. Uh, there's nothing in any of the lore about the Owlin having any sort of structure outside of a multicultural situation, so unlikely you're going to see them. You are going to see fiends and celestials. Um moving as armies but that tends to be when you're in the sky of like avernus 
or when there's a major event that's happening, they will be flying to fight each other in the air. Otherwise, honestly, you're going to have people that are in airships to fight dragons, sky pirates, like, but these aren't armies. Mm -hmm. They're, they're small sections of, of armies, maybe. Uh, magical, or sorry, natural features up here, like mountaintops, cliff faces, and weather. That's what you're going to get, right? (laughs) Uh, the magical features, I like the idea of floating islands, uh, the aforementioned beanstalks, cloud giant lands are fun, and, uh. I like the idea of there being large portals and thin spaces between worlds, like in the Langoliers, where you can just, like, keep flying and it looks normal and you find yourself in an alternate dimension, or you've traveled to the Feywild without realizing it, or... or Magical wind tunnels that carry you away. Yeah, yeah. so there are some opportunities for that there, uh, which are a lot of fun. Interestingly, interestingly enough, when I was looking at the spells for, like what you can do in the sky outside of lightning and thunder and gust. The only one was sky, right? Mm. This is the only, only thing that I could find. Call lightning. Yeah. But again, it's like this lightning and thunder. And, say like and wind, wind spells. Yeah. Or, yeah, oh, okay. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, however, feather fall is a necessity. Mm, you, yeah. you should have a wand of feather fall strapped to your fucking leg at all times. If you were going to be up in an airship, I have dropped many a character <laughs> to their death. <laughs> Over the years, out of airships, I like giving out tokens that are just one use. You know, uh, the, everybody gets one. <laughs> <laughs> Featherfall tokens are a thing in the Eberron book too. Yeah. So, like, those are items that exist already. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I didn't come up with it. No, well, yeah. the one use thing I think is, is unique. Like everybody gets one. Yeah. No, I still didn't come up with it. I definitely stole it from somebody else. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think the internet. Thanks, internet. <laughs> what would I do without you? I and would have a half. Yeah, I, I would have a productive life. <laughs> Strange. What a weird thought. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, you're next. I would, uh, have, I would have friendships that didn't rely on a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we rely on to be yeah. friends. <laughs> uh, I've had complaints from like about four or five of the other hosts. Just like, can we hang out where we're not recording something? Like, sure. I have Thursday available. Because uh, I am always recording. I am always recording. <laughs> so. Uh, okay, so I've got mountains. So what kind of settlements are you going to find in a mountain? You're going to find mining camps, trading posts, way stations, uh, lookout towers, and keeps uh, if this mountain range serves as a border. Um, the biggest challenges for these communities to thrive is consistent access to food and other supplies. Uh, I mean, you could also argue about extreme cold and this being snowed in, but I think it all kind of comes back to consistent access to food and supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, the races you're going to find, giants, obviously, Goliaths, Owlin, Druagard, Dwarves. Yeah. Anything else yeah. you can think of? I think that's... I mean, that's good. Got. Yeah. Yeah, for the races, that that pretty much covers it. Mm-hmm. Earth Genasi. Earth Genasi, yeah. Uh, roads. You're unlikely to find proper roads up in the mountains, just because it's too hard. Generally, there's a lot of like hard, rocky ground. You can't really pave it. Um, you know, it's mostly going to be extended game trails uh, that have just been widened through the passage of many feet. Depending on who lives or lived in your mountain range, though, you might find steps carved out of the rocks. Um, I did read in a book series once, though, that they had um, 
a set of steps up a mountain that was made entirely out of bones, and I just thought that was badass and wanted that, to share. Yeah, that's cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for the wilderness, what does the difficult terrain look like? It depends on how high up the mountain you are, right? Then when you're higher up the mountain, there's going to be more snow. There's going to be ground with large boulders. It's going to be steep. So, I mean, you're getting I, I, think, climbing. I think it's worth pointing out that the mountains we're talking about are like rocky mountains as mm-hmm. opposed like, I live at the top of a mountain. I have none of these issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I am in a forested area, yes. right? So. Yeah. But also you're in a developed area, right? Like you go to the other side of the mountain and you are going to get into difficult terrain. Yeah, right? I, absolutely. But like, I was just thinking the like the giant boulders and the rocky oh, okay. faces for a lot of places. Yes. And that's the traditional I mean, that's the difference between a mountainous range in D&D mm. and a forested range. You can go up a forested mountain, but it's just more forest, right? Yeah. So, oh, I guess that's hills. That would be hills? No, I'm thinking like an actual mountain, like the one that I'm on right now. Oh, okay, like, yeah. Like walk, in if D&D. you walk down it, you're going down a forest. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're dealing with forest rules, not mountain rules. Mountain rules tend to be rocky outcroppings and... Okay. Right, cold. The, yeah, cold and, and jagged and that kind of feel, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, so you'd be looking mostly at heavy snow then, steep ascents, um, large boulders, uh... Also steep descents. Yeah, steep descents too, and, um, I'm thinking, uh, have you ever seen the, the trails where you can just, you know, there's a bunch of forest, and then there's just this cutout where there's clearly a landslide that just came right down through it, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just all these rocks, um... Yeah, in terms of vehicles and mounts going off-road, it's going to be pretty fucking hard, I imagine, for most of the time. Ride a giant goat. Yeah. Or, like, a monkey, something that they can climb. Uh, how dangerous is the landscape here? Very dangerous. you got to contend with extreme cold, thin air, avalanches, landslides, and vertical cliff faces. Um, hunting, tracking, and gathering. Well, I mean, if we're talking about high-up mountains, then pretty tough. Right, you're if you're past a tree line, you're not gonna find many animals, right? Because there's no foraging, nothing like that. Birds, maybe. Birds, yeah, but even then, that's gonna be rare. Yeah. Right. Uh, monsters you're gonna find here: yetis, trolls, rocks. Um, I really like rocks. Yeah. Yeah. Can, yeah. Stone uh, giants. Stone giants. Yeah. Um, red and silver dragons, giants, armies. Mm, I mean, not really. Eh? Goliaths. Goliath army, but even then, it's they're, more like raiding parties. Yeah, they're they're in tribes and bands, right? Yeah. Uh, Actually, I could see you fighting orcs, right, in a mountainous area. I could see you fighting... Um, dwarves would be there, too. Dwarves, Duragar, you know, to Depending what kind night. of mountain yeah. it is, you might get fire giants. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, gnolls. Gnolls are just everywhere. They pop up when they shouldn't be, so... <laughs> oh, hello! <laughs> hello! <laughs> Nose. <laughs> you have nose. <laughs> Do you have any children we can eat? Uh, in terms of unique natural features, caves and volcanoes. Yeah, I was going to ask. Do you include volcanoes in this in, when you think about mountains, or also those... so, like it depends on what type of mountain it is? Because I would. Yeah, it, I yeah. consider it to be a different kind of terrain, just because. I'm dealing with all the fire rules at that point. Yeah, but it's the same thing as like when we're talking about mountain tops being cold because it's in the snowy area. It's the same thing because then now you have a mountain that is volcanic, and then you're dealing with heat rules, right? Yeah. It, it's interesting because the mountain 
rules in D&D and stuff is all about like elevation on the side of a mountain. None of it's about going into the mountain. None of it's yeah. about going underground or any of that shit. Within the tunnels. Right. Yeah. And, and they usually just mean like a snow-capped mountain. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Every once in a while we get something volcano-y and I'm always a fan of that, but... I was going to say, if it's a volcanic mountain, you're going to get hot springs. You're going to get like weird volcanic rock as opposed to like the porous um, volcanic rock that you're yeah. going to get as opposed to like your smooth stone, right? Yeah. So it's going to have a different feel. One of the things too, though, is uh, a lot of the times they won't show signs. Like think about Mount Rainier in mm-hmm. Seattle, right? There was just a regular mountain like the one we have until it exploded. It? Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite things about the Patreon Discord is about every five or six months, um, Andre pops in and be like, another volcano exploded. I might go take a look at it today. I'm like, you fucking madman. What are you doing? I remember being so scared of volcanoes when I was a kid. Uh, I think well, it's because we're so close to like, like all... Well, the ring of fire. Yeah. I remember hearing about the ring of fire well, all the time as a kid. Yeah, but that was back in the like late 80s, early 90s too, where I'm sitting there hearing about Mount St. Helens. Yeah. Just blew up and blotted out the sky. And I'm like, oh, the apocalypse is nigh. Yeah. I had some real fucking dread when I was like nine years old yeah. about earthquakes and volcanoes. And... Same. Mm-hmm. Quicksand. Yeah. It's, it's just all those natural disaster movies came out when we were of the proper age to be afraid of them. Yeah. I remember I got I was terrified of Waterworld. <laughs> I'm terrified of Waterworld for a different reason. Yeah. <laughs> the acting. It's the acting that I does it for me. I love that movie. Really? I fucking love that like, movie. Like, ironically or no? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. I got, I got a question. My, What's with the dude living in the oil pit? <laughs> I need to know that guy's story. Give that man a movie because everything else I could throw out. Someone just... write him a novella. We need yeah. to know where he comes from. <laughs> That's right, but any movie that starts with a man drinking his own pee is all right in my books. <laughs> uh, do I have some home movies for you? <laughs> oh, Lord. No, Kevin Costner was my big crush when I was like... Oh, really? Yeah. Let me tell you, Kevin Costner was my fucking idol... For the very brief period of um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. I say Robin Hood was uh, I sexual awakening for sure. <laughs> not that for me, but but I definitely like that was one of the one of the seminal moments for me, like seeing that movie. Yeah, I I probably watched that more than most other movies. Oh God, I love that movie, so good. Also, also they have the the music for it is the opening for the Morgan Creek theme, where like. Uh, production company logo at the beginning of other movies. No way. So yeah, every once in a while they'll play that and I'll go like, ah, I've got to watch it again. Gonna give me some Morgan Freeman. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, mountains. <laughs> uh, yeah, so what kind of magical features would I add from this? The only one I could really come up with was uh, Thrym's Howl, the Eldritch Storm from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's all basically just exaggerating the all like what's already going on on the yeah. mountain right it's just cold winds add the elements you're yeah. fucked yeah um that's the big yeah. thing about the mountains is it's another one of these things where you add to it and because there's nothing there and it's elevated and it's remote these elements whether it's volcano or snow or wind become extreme right yeah a problem yeah and there's nowhere to go right there's nowhere to hide you can't Save. If there's nowhere safe, you can't set up a tent because it's just going to blow away. Yeah. Right? Is that mountains? That's mountains. All right, I'm going to talk about deserts. And by deserts, I mean desserts. Uh, mm. <laughs> uh, so immediately I think of your traditional unending vast sea, for lack of a better word, 
of uh, dunes and sand. Uh, dryness, intense heat, and, uh, you know, little cloud coverage and no shade to be seen unless you find yourself a nice little oasis somewhere. Which would, of course, bring the need for, like, resource management. So I find that if you're going to have a settlement that lives within the desert, it has to be of a being that doesn't require a lot of food or water to live. Yeah. So, like, your lizard folks or your yuan or, like, those are just, like, natural to the desert areas, shall we say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably be, like, trading post cities that are just there to, like, as stop-offs to exist and trade and exist, right? Yeah. Um, Imagine nomads too. I say travelers. Yeah, yeah. that are just going from place to place. They're I'm thinking about the marketplace in Agrabah. Yeah, no. <laughs> fresh fish, <laughs> sugar dates, and pistachios. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the big thing about when it comes to the desert, of course, is going to be resource management. So where does your food come from? Where does your water come from? And that could be a very large piece of the exploration piece for your group uh, is prepping for going to the desert. Mm. Kind of similar to how, like, the prep for climbing a mountain, prepping for going into, like, a super cold area, or if you're going to go into a volcano, you have to prep for it. If you're not prepped for it, it's going to be extremely dangerous to be there. Um, I do remember traveling through the desert in our last campaign, and Adam graced us with uh, beef jerky that would regenerate. Troll jerky. Yeah. <laughs> so that so that we could live. It, it was it was sun sunburned troll jerky. Mm. Slowly regenerate, and if it would never regrow the regrow the troll. Yeah. Because it was sunburned. But yeah. Yeah. Was, That's how we lived. However, if you nobody got good berry, huh? No. Just get <laughs> Dave. However, was eating it consistently, and as he would take scars and wounds and things, so we do scars in my game. Um, he would grow back green skin because the troll was inside his system. And so because of how would, much he ate, <laughs> he's, he ended up growing a sixth finger at one point. And like, yeah. yeah, he was going to become a full troll if Dan hadn't killed his character. Thanks Dan. Yeah. Thanks Dan. Yeah. But you also gave us like a flask of water that never emptied. Yeah. Like one singular flask that wouldn't, yeah. so that we would share that so we could survive. Because we were not prepared for the desert. We were just, we just ended up there. You guys got dropped into the desert. Yeah. Like out of nowhere. So it's not like we, so that's why I'm saying like if you're going into the desert, prep for it. Yeah. If you get dropped there, good fucking luck. Um, and as DMs, it's kind of a part of your responsibility to maybe give them a helping hand somewhere here or there. Give them an oasis. Give them something yes. to like give uh, them. And I did. I gave you guys oases. I gave we you did. guys structures to find shelter in and. Yeah, but yeah, the other things that I think about, like, other creatures that you might run into when wandering through the deserts, uh, the first thing that came to my head was, we did an episode on the mephits, but, like, dust mephits. Yeah. You'd find those around. But other than that, you're not really going to find a whole lot of living creatures, in my mind, unless they are, of course, native to those lands. You could go super dark, and I'll, I was thinking of things like the Sorrow Sworn, which we, yeah. we've spoken about, because, again, they, they play off people's emotions. You're lost in the desert. That's a big emotion to be able to, like, sap from. Mm. Um, yeah, you're going to get the lost, the hungry, the wretched. Yep. All those things yeah. are going to come in here, right? And if you want to make the more of an atmospheric move, you can go and be full creepy. And I imagine that within the desert, because there's no cloud, like, there's no trees or anything to give provide shade or any of those kinds of things. At nighttime, it'll probably be just as light as it is during the daytime because the stars and the moon are shining at their brightest. Mm. Yeah. The desert gets... Cold AF too at, at night. night. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like, do, do you want to travel during the night when it's super hot? Travel during the night when it's super cold? Which one are you more prepared for? Yeah. Right? Because you will, in my mind, still be able to see at night, even if you don't have dark vision. 
just because of how bright the starlight is going to be. Or like, depending on where you are, obviously, where we were, there was no fucking starlight, but that's fine. You guys have portal we light. We portal light, yeah. yeah. I feel like when it comes to paths around here, there will be very specific paths and trading routes that people take through the desert. And if you wander off those paths, you'll be lost and lost the ether forever. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you do not stick to your maps or your paths or have someone to guide you who knows where they're going, you fucked. I also think when you think of the terrain itself, because of the path it's going to be mostly traveled, that's the only path where the terrain is not going to be difficult. As soon as you step off that path into a sand dune, it is difficult terrain. You are treading through light sand, you're sinking into it, so on and so forth. You can even throw quicksand in there every once in a while if you want to. Like holes in the ground or potholes that like sand is just filling into. Or if you have like purple worms under the ground, you're going to sink into those holes. Yeah, you'll have sinkholes yeah. all over the place. Yeah, so exactly. Uh, right? Or like what happens in Dune when they're like in that little tent? I haven't seen Dune. Oh, okay. What happens in Dune? Uh, there's just a point where uh, they're like on the side of a hill and um you know sand just cascades down and they basically get buried in an avalanche of sand yeah so so a constantly shifting ground is a dangerous thing to deal with right um speaking of that it would be in my mind easy to a little bit easier to sneak around if you want to be sneaky and stealthy but because of the vast open space it's gonna be pretty easy to see you unless you're hiding behind dunes or mm -hmm. other things that are around mm. Yeah, you're going to be able to see light at night for a long fucking time. Exactly, yeah. right? And plus, like, because the sand's always shifting, footprints and stuff are going to disappear pretty quickly. Yeah. So if you're not on the regular path where there's probably a thousand million different footprints, all of them get wiped away yeah. eventually, right? Like, there's going to be a nice lighting of dusting that happens on a regular basis. Um, calling something like that I can imagine scatter on the desert again would be like a Yuan-Ti or the snake folks. Um, I can see drakes, dragons, other things that are just traveling between lands. And again, mm -hmm. just using it as a traversing space. There's a lot of deserts, uh, or a lot of dragons that like the desert. Yeah. 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 And like drakes and like the kids, like the little ones will be running around kind of thing. So yeah. I imagine it's great hunting ground for big animals, right? There, you got nowhere to hide. Yeah. yeah, you can just... You're going to have, like, your vault, again, birds, vultures and things like that yeah. flying yeah, through yeah, the sky, yeah. Yeah. pecking things off as they're dying in the sands, right? Yeah. Also, I, we talked about pirates earlier, but I can imagine sand pirates. <laughs> <laughs> who yeah. Who travel in the sands, picking off magical weapons and resources from unsuspecting travelers. Yeah. Like, they're going to have caravans that go around and, like, take things from you or, you know, take your resources so that they can live longer. It's like Mad Max. Yes, very much so. I was thinking about a literal pirate ship dragged by ogres across the dunes. <laughs> yeah. One delusional fucking Gith Yankee captain. Yeah. Ah, port side! <laughs> I see a caravan! Oh, man. And then, of course, just to add to the environmental dangers of being in there, of course, other than just be beating sun and heat, um, wind and sandstorms can be very, very dangerous yeah. if you don't have any kind of, like, shelter of any kind. Even the shelters are going to have walls if sandstorms are frequent enough yeah. or dangerous enough, right? Like, all of those towns and villages will have walls up. Yeah, they'll be able to lock it down, you know yeah. what I mean? It's going to look very, like... Moist. Moist. It's always moist. <laughs> Um, when it comes to like hunting around here, obviously, again, you're going to pick off things that are dying. It's going to be hard for you to travel out into the dunes unless it's something that you were trained to do or live there natively. Mm -hmm. But yeah, other than that, that's, that's deserts, deserts and deserts. That's yeah. Deserts are rough. It, they're probably one of my favorite places to put players because it forces the survival. 
tracks, right? Yeah, because you yeah. don't have access to resources the way you would in a forest or a swamp or even on a mountainside. You're not going to be running into a lot of living creatures. Yeah. Like, you're going to be wandering up to other slowly dying creatures. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> going to become vultures. Exactly, right? Uh. All right, last one. We're going to do another round. We're going to talk about things beyond just our regular roads. I got a nine. I was on a 16. You bumped me to a three. Kyle, you're first. Yes. That's right. All right. Uh, So seas and rivers, how are they different? Uh, So with the sea, you are going to be fighting with the water a lot more than you are on a river. You're going to have to contend with rough seas, rogue waves being tossed around by storms, um, while also dealing with bigger and badder mean, or bigger and meaner baddies. And because you're not likely to fight a kraken on a river, right? Um, with r- river travel, the biggest threats are going to be running aground, whether from shallow water, unseen dunes, uh, and detrius floating in the river. Or maybe dams and checkpoints set up by bandits and smarter enemies, and governments unfriendly to your player's cause. Uh, sure, strong currents can still play a factor in it, uh, but they're much easier to deal with uh, when the water is all flowing in the same direction. You're going to run into rapids, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, rapids, yeah, right, and rocks yeah. as well. Um, although I was thinking you could also make a great kind of uh, little exploration section uh, with making the players try to find maps for, like, a huge river section, right? Um, you know, for a relatively uncharted area and having them try to figure out uh, which are real and which ones are fake, um, whether through lack of diligence or malice is up to you, and... Uh, if they choose wrong, they find themselves being hurtled towards uh, rapidly approaching waterfall. I like that. Yeah. The waterfalls are fun. How great. You guys keep dropping cities off of them and it fucks me up a bit. Hey, man. <laughs> you, you, you provided us with the playing field. We just said yeet. <laughs> In the homebrew campaign, Kyle, it's mostly the last uh, campaign was mostly uh, massive rivers that would take a day or more to cross. Okay. Right? And so the whole area was this big, massive river land that was all swamps and marshes and jungles, as far as the eye could see. But there were waterfalls. The cities that existed were floating cities out in the water because it was safer than being in the jungles and the marshes. Okay. So these guys untethered a handful of these floating cities that were anchored in place, and then the cities went over the fucking waterfalls. So... This is something that, that they've been known to do. There were at least two sunken cities by the end of the... Three by the end of the campaign. I would say, th- yeah, three if you include the um The one's the well. already sunken. Yeah. Oh, four with the well. Oh, uh, well. Jesus <laughs> fuck. All right. I, I was like, it's weird that it's happened twice, but four times. <laughs> <laughs> Again, you provided the play space. We yeah. just said yeet it to the city. Oh, d d players. <laughs> Right. Was there a reason? Was it like a happy accident? No, it was very intentional. We sent Every somebody time. down to go and like release the chains. Like, yeah. so I'll show you not to give me a well, discount. Well, the well was an accident. We didn't see that one coming. That no, wasn't you can't did. Yeah, you guys... That was under attack. But, okay. but the other three. Well, I, I can't say anything. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> I digress. Is that... He was crying over spilt cities. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Sunken cities. Yeah, that's all. That's all I got. Phenomenal. Um, I'm going to talk about the Underdark and just underground spaces as a whole. Uh, So obviously the Underdark is a great place to keep in mind considering using underground travel and what it's like to be in that environment. Uh, So 
Things to obviously consider when traveling underground or in tunnels is how do you see in here? How are you stocked up? Are you stocked up on torches or fire items or are you using magical means? If so, how do your spellcasters maintain that over time? You know, just again, resource management when it comes to being in this kind of environment. Also need to take into consideration you are moving through, if you're moving through a series of tunnels, are your PCs small enough to fit? Uh, that can be kind of a problematic thing. I know we've uh, come across it when we do tunnel traversing in, in our campaigns where we tend to reach a spot where you can squeeze through and you have like half speed and difficult terrain because you're squeezing through a small space. And that's when you ambush them. Yeah, because I would say this is a good way as a DM to separate your party, um, including things like cave-ins can happen, mm -hmm. as well as just falling into holes of darkness. As one does. As, yeah. one, as one might, you know. <laughs> Um, not only would you have to worry about your resource management, but the creatures uh, that traverse, especially the Underdark, um, but also just in tunnels in general, the first thing that comes to mind, of course, are the drow, um, as that's just where they tend to reside. So you'll most likely come across a colony or grouping out and about, doing their thing, living their life, uh, which is probably not liking you. But the scary creatures that can be... That can be found within the dark depths are things like mind flayers and all those fun little mind-bending creatures. Because let's be real, traveling in the underground can make the most stable of creatures go insane. So if you think about traveling underground where there's no light, sound is deafened, and you just have like a general sense of dread, a DM can definitely play with the ability of adding like sanity scores or hearing voices echoing through the hallways and the walls and large caverns where echoes might happen and occur. Survival checks to know what direction you're even facing. Exactly. Right. Um, I even wrote that I like the idea of playing like a haunted campaign within the underground because, or like, sorry, the underdark or the like just being in tunnels in general because all I can think of is the movie Descent. We have different opinions about the movie. I know we've talked about this yeah. before and I was yeah. waiting for that. But, like, we don't have to get into that today. But, like, again, you can take inspiration from, like, the madness that can occur when someone is in a dark space. Like, I think they did an experiment. I don't remember how long it is or how long a person can survive in a space where there's no sound. Yeah, oh. and it's it's measured in minutes. Yes, it's yeah. very small. It, it's it's the it's the most silent room in the world. So it's actually got negative sound to it. Yeah. So you can hear your own inner workings of your body. Mm. You will hallucinate very fucking quickly. Exactly. I, heard, I heard the the longest anybody was able to stay in there was forty five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I am so curious to see what horrible shit my brain will come up with because I've done a, a sensory deprivation chamber. Yeah. And apparently, and like. I saw shit. Like, it was wild. I can't imagine it being, like, what's worse than that? There's something worse than that? What the nah. fuck is that like? I know, right? Like, it just, that's the, the what I imagine when you're traveling in tunnels. And I, personally, I hate spelunking, and I hate caves. Yeah. I just have, a, I have an, ab I, I cried in Britannia Mines. Like, I cannot, really? I cannot stand being in a cave. And I'm not claustrophobic. I like small spaces. I'm not, like, I am afraid of the dark, but that's a whole different thing. Did you, did you just feel the weight of the earth above you? It's just, it it's a weird feeling of just, like, if, if these rocks crumble, I will not survive this. Yeah. Megan, what do you think claustrophobia is? But, like, I like, like, <laughs> I like, but I like being in small spaces. I like, I don't, doesn't scare me being a small zone. Sure. I'm not afraid of being like on rides where I'm in a closed box. I'm not afraid okay. of. I would not be afraid of being in a coffin that isn't underground. Take that coffin, put it underground. I'll kill you. So it, okay. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I want to be cremated for that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I'm noted. Uh, <laughs> before or after death. Yes. Yes. Let's play it by ear. I'm the same way with like I can be in a room or a, or a vehicle, no problem. Yeah. The moment that vehicle is underwater, I have issues. Yeah. Right. So. Mm. So the same kind of concept. Yeah. 
But yeah, that's why I feel like when talking about tunnels in D&D, I look at them more the lens of it is a scary experience. Mm -hmm. So if I was going to do a campaign with tunnels, it would be on the more haunted darkness madness spectrum. Yeah. Than just traversing through a regular dungeon. Yeah. Right? Because being in a dungeon in D&D, in my, my brain, is like... You're going through the catacombs of, like, the castle depth or whatever. Or you're going through, like, someone's temple. Or, like, that to me is, like, a dungeon crawl. A tunnel crawl is a very different thing to me. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah, because, for one, like, the tunnel crawl, it's finite, right? But the Underdark, it just goes on forever and ever and ever. The other thing that makes a difference, I just want to point this out really quickly. One of the other big differences is the Underdark was magically created by gods. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And so, and there are creatures that are not able to to get to the surface because of the magical barrier between the Underdark and and underground, right? Mm -hmm. But there's this, like, leftover magical radiation called Phaserus, I want to say. Fairsrus, it's something like that. <laughs> Pheromones. Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope, wrong. <laughs> uh, that is this leftover uh, magic that just like seeps into, and it's got like it's, there's pockets of it, but it's also everywhere, right? Like yeah. there's intense um, like pockets of it. But you, there are creatures that like live off of the radiation, and there are creatures that will die from the from the radiation. So it's also got that weird extra level of alien landscape in the underdark absolutely well. yeah yeah creatures of the utmost freakiness Ugh. <laughs> is that everything you have for that's the, everything i've got just to your point you guys know the story about the guy that went like spelunking and he uh, i hate this one yeah, yeah and he got trapped upside down and couldn't get out and he died under the weight of his own like he couldn't breathe just and from the weight of his own body. Didn't he die? It didn't take him like a day to die. It took him days to die. Yeah. So if they knew where they where he was, but they couldn't get to him because he was so far down, and they could communicate with him, he was just getting weaker and weaker, and then finally died. And the their only thing that they could do was say, "No one else should ever go in here." So they filled the hole with concrete and left him. Yeah. Couldn't even get his body out. No, that's that's fucking horrible. I hate it. Yeah. I hate everything about it. Okay, let's move on to the Arctic. This will be, I guess, the last one we're doing today. It is. Yeah, okay. So uh, there's a difference between the Arctic and the tundra, and I I wanted to dig into the differences between them, but I realized that, honestly, the tundra is just flat mountain range. Yeah. That's all it is. If you think... I I thought it was, like, winter desert. It is, right? It's flat. Yeah. Yeah, but but that's what I mean. Like, you have all of the same, like... Basic levels of snow, you've got rocky outcroppings, mm. you've got the same level of survivability, and it's cold as fuck, like the top of a mountain, except it is a flat barrier between where well, your grasslands, forest, and whatnot, your vegetation, and the true Arctic, like I'm standing on six miles of ice. Yeah. Right? So, um, if I was going to go through the tundra, I would use mountain rules to do it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, when I think about the Arctic specifically, though, I wanted to highlight it a little bit because we do have Icewind Dale, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, and a couple other places where people have to go through snowy Arctic landscapes. And so the settlements you're going to find here are going to be small towns, um, walled cities and forts for the same reason that the in the desert they're walled, right? Like yeah. it's keeping out the elements for the most part, but also keeping out raiders. Yeah. Um, I also want to point out you're going to run across the occasional ice palace because you cannot be in a medieval fantasy Arctic area without there being some sort of god or ice, ice wizard or <laughs> yeah. something. 
Ice hag. Ice hag. <laughs> yeah. Ice hags. That, that's the ver hag, I think. So. Uh, sea fury. No, to, yeah, uh, to a degree, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But, all right, all right, all right. but yeah, there's some there's some opportunities there um, for ice palaces, which I'm excited about. Delightful. The challenges here, of course, going to be resources and the fact that everything is difficult terrain. You, you are in danger of the flat ground becoming an avalanche underneath you as well. The same way that you are with sinkholes in the desert, right? Yep. Mm. The races you're going to find up here are going to be Goliaths, humans, and Verbeegs, orcs, frost giants, and anything that smells like a barbarian so give it a whiff give it a whiff it might be an ice barbarian uh the roads up here are only going to be visible during some times of the year so you're mostly going to have to rely on landmarks and passageways like through the mountainous region here we go through this valley or you keep the large black rock that looks like a cat's face on the left and you'll be fine yeah difficult terrain is going to be frozen lakes deep snow Rocky or slippery terrain everywhere. Yeah. Mm. Um, I imagine it would be really easy to not notice you're on a lake all of a sudden. Yeah. And there might be thin ice and just... Yeah. Yeah. Forgetting where you're at, like yeah. losing your bearings. Yeah. Um, stealth, I feel, is going to be easy. Everything is a little bit muted in the winter, in the snow, in the cold. However, you are going to leave tracks and they will find you. Yes. Right. Yeah. So tracking is easy. Stealth. Or tracking is uh, super easy, but stealth is easy as well. So I feel like, and everything can camouflage mm-hmm. up here, right? So things are hidden, and that that could be a problem. Your vehicles and mounts are going to be well. The, for mounts, you're going to have like woolly axe beaks and mammoths and dogs and whatnot because you have sleds and dog sleds. Unless you're on a frozen road or something, you're not going to be relying on things like um, like wagons, anything wheeled. Mm-mm. This is going to be probably one of the most dangerous places outside of the, like, I can't breathe here, like, space or underwater, right? So, mm. the cold and exposure means that survival checks and exhaustion are going to be a thing you got to deal with all of the time. Uh, snow can hide important details about where you want to go, and you can get lost very easily. It's usually darker longer in Arctic settings. And, um, like I said, a lot of the creatures can camouflage, so you are constantly, in my head, you're constantly being watched. You might be being watched by a snow hare or a snowy owl, but you're constantly being watched. Mm. Things know you're there unless you're doing things to to hide. So, uh, One of the things, too, about uh, really snowy climates is uh, the glare off the snow. Makes yeah. it really hard to see. Yeah. You're going to have that like little little slit just to like, yeah. see through. Yeah. Yeah. And, snow blindness and what have you. And like on the open ocean and in the desert, that we didn't mention it, sunburn. Yeah. You will get sunburned on, yeah. on the snow, right? So, like I said, hunting, tracking, gathering are all possible. And they're going to be easy in some ways and difficult in others, right? Yeah. Like, you can hunt someone, but chasing them is going to be a pain in the ass, yeah. right? You can track where someone where something has been, but how God knows how long they've been here if it hasn't snowed in a couple of days, right? Because the tracks will stay forever. Yeah. yeah. And, and also depending, like, I know, like, it's, probably, it's cold all year round, but there will be certain times of the year where it is slightly warmer where you're probably going to have a better chance of finding something. Yeah. Right? The monsters you're going to run into here are snowy owl bears, mammoths and polar bears, white dragons and remorazes, uh, ice methods, yetis, winter wolves. You're going to run into orcs and gnolls, dwarves and durgar and drow, uh, frost giants, and of course, tons and tons and tons of undead. Woo! Um, the armies you're going to run into up here are going to be orcs, gnolls, frost giants, 
You'll run into minions of white dragons. They tend to have a lot of minions. Like, you'll run into, like, white kobolds and stuff. Mm. But I also feel like you, this is where you might see an army of undead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if right. I'm just channeling Game of Thrones. Like, you can see that underwater or through the desert as well. But, like... Mm. Yeah. No, I'm just seeing it from the ice palace of the uh, ice hag. Has her own little undead army. Yeah. It seems like a great place to hide it because they can survive where nobody else can, right? We are slowly getting into Megan's fanfic phase of the episode, so yeah. we got to hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap uh, it up, Adam. <laughs> for natural features, we can rely on frozen waters, glaciers, caverns, mountains, open icy plains, blizzards, and howling winds. The problem here is going to be your footing and the weather. For magical features, you can expect surprise things like hot springs and the odd volcano, even up here, uh, as a nice contrast. Um, icy labyrinths, abandoned underground kingdoms, crystalline formations. Like You can imagine that there have been a lot of people that have tried to make a living up here and have had to move on. So there will be lots of forgotten civilizations. But you have things like ice devils and shit too that are going to just straight up Make their home here and make it fucking weird and hard mm -hmm. to deal with. And, like, white dragons are another one, so. Yeah. And then when I was thinking about what spells you're going to need, you're going to run into cold spells, of course, but you're also going to run into heat spells because everyone needs to stay warm. Yeah. Things like uh, like wind and gust and, and that kind of, like, wind wall and shit. Mm -hmm. And then uh, create and destroy food and water and other things to, like, Heroes Feast just to be able to eat and live. Yeah. The same way that we needed that a lot in the desert, you're going to need it up in the Arctic. Yeah. You guys know where the largest desert on planet Earth is? No. Antarctica. No, really? Yeah, because... That was Goa. Hmm? That was Goa, but... No, it, the definition of desert is a place that has zero precipitation for the longest periods of time, right? Okay. And that is the coldest place on Earth, which is in our Antarctica. There's a huge, vast region where... It is too cold for rain to form. So, yeah. So technically speaking, it's not sandy. It's just so cold. That's It's fair. a desert. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Well, neat. That's it for the Arctic. How exciting. I love that. We've not done a whole lot of Arctic in our campaign. No. God, no. No. Because we've been in the desert and in the jungles yeah. and whatnot. So. And I'm happy mm. about that. Don't change it. Fuck <laughs> that. Uh. <laughs> All right. All right. Before we explore the end of this episode, let's scout out an info break. Nailed it. Thank you. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes and comments. Engagement like that help us pop up on search engines and keep the show running. So, besides planar nonsense and Spelljammer, do you guys think we missed any environments that have a unique set of rules? I mean, like we talked about swamps and forests, but we didn't really get into specific types of the kinds of forests you can have. So, like... Like the temperate rainforest, like tropical rainforest, tropical rainforest, all that kind of stuff. Like, you can get a little bit more granular when it comes to the kind of... Like, we did a little bit with mountains. You can have a volcanic mountain. You can have a... Uh, an arctic windy cold mountain like that kind of stuff but you can do the same thing with forests yeah like the amazon is very different from what we have here yes yeah do you, like i would like jungle to be one of the things that's acknowledged right? yeah and like we have swamps but we don't have marshes and bogs and shit yeah. as well right yeah. like we all kind of lump them all in the same thing yeah 
But I'm, I'm just trying to think. Is there anything like underground? I we talked about I talked about tunnels a lot, but I didn't really talk about caves. Yeah. Um, mm. but I feel like it's kind of the same kind of traversing issues would happen in a cave that would happen within a tunnel. At what point does a cave become a tunnel? Like hundred feet? Ooh. I feel like a, a tunnel has two ends, whereas a cave doesn't have to have, just only has to have one entrance. So would you say that an anthill is a big cave? There's many exits to an anthill. I mean mm-hmm. like the traditional one that just like burrows down and there's one entrance. Is that a mm-hmm. cave then? Ant cave. Yeah, because I mean, when I think of a cave, I think of, like, it's a hollow in rock, right? Not someone dug a hole. Okay. It's a hole. Okay, it's a hole. hole. (laughs) Fair enough. You know what? A hole is a hole. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This PSA has been brought to you by Megan. (laughs) This is a fucking after school special already. You're welcome. Um, I would say that the other thing, I, I touched on it briefly in urban settings, but like sewers, are their own unique... Oh, envi- yeah. The yeah. Environment to yeah. have to traverse and deal with. Very similar to tunnels in a lot of way, but also very It's different. like combining so, swamps, tunnels, urban. Uh, urban. urban. Yeah. Like it puts it all together in one, right? Gross. But you'd have a completely different like society of living down mm-hmm. there, right? Yeah. I say that with air quotes gently. Yeah. There's a lot of Ninja Turtles. Yep. Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> that and Chud. There will be some Chuds down there. Oh, Lord. Chuds. Fuck, I haven't thought about that in like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Chuds. Uh, anyway, that's all for this part of our discussion on the official environments in Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition. Please take a second to engage with a like, follow, comment, and review to help push our engagement. And don't forget to subscribe to find future inspirations for your campaigns. If you'd like to support us, we have a store with some merch and a donate button on our website at itsamimic.com, as well as a Patreon. This episode and others can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and other podcast apps. Thanks for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits, and don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. out that we almost got into my fanfics and I didn't once talk about Frost Giants. <laughs> I didn't know that was like, are you okay? So, fro- so it's Frost Giants and Hags. Frost Giants and Hags. Hags and Frost Holy Giants. Holy shit, it's also vampires. Okay, but you can make it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
I really, really, like you joke, I would love to give feedback to everybody, just one at a time, talk to everyone, how you doing, what's going on, are you still having fun? Mm-hmm. I start to second guess how happy everybody is. Kyle, are you happy? Yeah, it comes and goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, fuck. Was that recorded? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. What are we talking about specifically? What do you mean? Oh, podcast stuff. Yeah, that's just it. Okay, so I downloaded TikTok to support a couple of creators that I know. However, I spend all of my time watching men in the woods build houses. Those are the TikToks that I watch. And not not what's his face chopping wood that that Megan watches. But like, <laughs> like you look directly at him like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, like like dudes literally just like looking at this flat piece of ground or they're like, hey, you know what? That tree is gonna be the cornerstone of my whole fucking building. And mm. they sit down and build a fucking cabin. And there's like, it's eight parts. I will watch that shit for 20 minutes and be like, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> you could not. I could not. <laughs> Can't confirm. Also, where are they getting all of this lumber from? Don't ask. It never talks about it, so. Also, where are you finding this land? <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> and how much did it cost you? <laughs> I'm low-key, like, because they never talk. I low-key believe that all of them are, like, Russian. And, like, they're way out in, in like, in other, they're not, they're not, Canadian or American, not North American at all. They're yeah. like yeah. way out in in Asia or or in Europe or somewhere because they never speak and they're always like, they're, oh, I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, and, and well, there's a bunch of them. There's a yeah. ton of them, and like, and they do things differently than I would. Like the architectural style and the some of the decisions they make, and I'm like, interesting that you would do it that way. I would do it differently. I like how you are able to be a judge for this. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've built homes for the Habitat for Humanity, so I know about throwing up real quick. Uh, I can throw a good wall up, you yeah, know? Yeah, like. yeah. <laughs> but B, I've been on construction sites for the majority of my 20s as well, right? Like, I'm I just like, I can just so. like, those are some weird flying buttresses. Like, we really need to get some better <laughs> yeah. coffers up here in this ceiling. No, like. I'm, I, I'm sitting there looking at the fact that they're stuffing moss in between the walls oh, okay. as like <laughs> this insulation. insulation. And I'm like, yeah. there are better ways to do that is going to rot. That, that moss is still green. Yeah, You're but then they're not littering it. when this log cabin falls apart. Right? No, but you can use other natural resources to, to, to have insulation, um, like dry leaves. If they're dry, then they're not wet. The moss is wet. There's like earth in it still. I guess, but Ew, it's thick earth. and then it dries out eventually, right? Like if you, as long as it's... Like, you, let's say you're building a log cabin and it rains, the rain's still going to get inside and then going to make those leaves wet. And then the leaves are going to crumble, uh, as opposed to the moss, which is kind of spongy and will retain <laughs> its shape. I'm sorry, what's the hand motion for spongy? Spongy. spongy. <laughs> this is not proper ASL, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm from the generation where ASL means age, sex, location. Yeah, man. Fuck. New way to date yourself. <laughs> yeah. Although I, I am I also of that myself. age. So. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to tell me you get that. Oh, <laughs> but what's the sound? Oh, <laughs> oh man! Oh. It got transported. Back. I, I just had a, I had a Vietnam flashback. <gasps> Fuck. That's fair. Okay, before we uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the cut we're going with, huh? <laughs> Read this sentence because I'm like, this makes no sense to me. <laughs>
I want you to know that I'm trying to make that a different sentence every single episode. Well, that's what fucked me up. Son of a bitch. I was like, are you trying to say okay before we get this episode started? Or before we let this episode exist? Like, I was like, where are we going with this? (laughs) No good. That's fair. Okay, see you next time.